Welcome back, folks. It's the SoCo Show, episode number 146. Oh, we're really getting up there. Uh, this, of course, is the co-host, Cody Michael, joined, as always, by the so-host, Seth Ott. Hello. <laughs> and, uh, and I should start saying, and of course... Jared Buckendall. JB back in the house. How you doing, man? Hello as well. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm on a podcast with two kids from a horror movie who hide in the shadows and just say, hello. Hello. Please. Oh. Find our secret. Will you play Uh, with us? Please. Okay. Well, the bookcase. (laughs) (laughs) We have Dunkaroos. We do have Dunkaroos, Seth. That is an excellent segue from something that I, frankly, was having a hard time gaining traction with <laughs> to something <laughs> to something that we're really excited about. Uh, we'll come back to the Dunkaroos that Seth is talking about. Um, we, we're going to have a jam-packed episode today. we got a lot of reviews, especially a little bit of news, not as much as next week, or sorry, last week um, when we had a bunch. But before we, before we... Before we even go to chic tweets, guys, because this is A1, like, threat Steaks level house. midnight important, we have something very special for the folks at home, and it's something that we've been covering on the Soko Show for a long time now, and I know we covered on Movies and Nonsense as well, so listeners of, of Jared and of ours uh, will know that we are fans, and I say we, I mean you guys, because I've never had the things, mm-hmm. of Dunkaroos, and... We talked a while back about the return of Dunkaroos, and that return has now happened. I think it was sometime last week that they became available in stores. And Seth, you have gotten your hands on some brand new Dunkaroos. Dunkaroos, ready? Can you hear that? Ooh. Yeah, that's, Ooh. that's fresh Dunkaroos from 1992, <laughs> right in the box. Straight um, out of the warehouse. No, it, it <laughs> exactly. It does look like the packaging does look, I'll go in and describe that. The packaging does look like uh, they, they make it look throwback, like from the 90s. They got, like, the the baby blue color uh, with, like, a strip of, like, that, that like, purplish color with, like, some squiggles in it. So it, it definitely looks like... And, like, the font is, is uh, like, a, a bright yellow with, like, some uh, red outlining. So it definitely looks like it's from the 90s. Like, they're trying to, to give that throwback feel with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw this. I was walking by at the store. I saw a whole stand of them. I'm like, you know what? Let's go ahead and get a pack of Dunkaroos and, and do a, a live taste testing on, on the SoCo show. Exactly. So Seth Seth bought these last week, but he has had the utmost patience and has waited until right now well, to taste him. these Dunkaroos. I bought them yesterday. <laughs> okay. He bought them yesterday. So he's had a little bit of patience. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be enjoying them for the very first time live here on the podcast. And I know you might be thinking to yourself, why would I want to listen to this dickhead eat some Dunkaroos? <laughs> <laughs> but for whatever reason, I think our listeners are going to appreciate the taste test and and subsequent review that we're about to get on the new 2020 Dunkaroos. So Seth, I think um, I think now's the time. I think take us through uh, the unboxing and everything and, and let us know how, how this turns out here. Can I get a drum roll as I open it up? I will give you a drum roll. Here you go. (laughs) 
he broke them. <laughs> there they go. So I open up the Dunkaroos. The, I gotta say, the cookies are much smaller. I thought they'd be a little bit bigger. Um, and I think because Jared and I had talked about a little bit before ripping that packaging off, a little bit before the show that we remember different like shapes and colors and flavors of Dunkaroos. I never really had the original, which the original, the OG Dunkaroo is uh, like vanilla wafers, tiny vanilla, vanilla wafers. They look like the size of a nickel. They okay. got like perforated edges on the outside with a D in the middle. Um, and then there's some uh, nice creamy looking frosting with some rainbows in it. Uh, rainbow sparkles in it, sorry. Um, and uh, the ones I had were like, like Jared was talking about, to- uh, chocolate or like some, some different like shapes and stuff. So the originals were not my forte, but I'm going to go ahead. I got my, my little D cracker in my how hand. How many, uh, question quick, how many cookies we we talking about here and how much there's, of frosting? There's quite a few cookies, actually. I would say, I'm not going to go ahead and count them all because there's a lot and then it would bore everyone, but there's exactly <laughs> 14 crackers in here. Oh, wow. Um, there's probably there's probably close to like 15, 15 or so tiny crackers. I mean, they're size of a nickel and they're in like a little trough, so... Oh, so they're not sticks? I thought they were sticks this whole uh-uh. time. I, no, I've had no clue about this thing. And I think there were Dunkaroos that were sticks. Well, there was point. those cheese ones. Yeah, where those was are it, gross. The cheese crackers, where Ugh. or the the Ugh. like stick crackers where you dipped it Ugh. in cheese. Yeah, those that were cheese. gross. See, that cheese was those like... I've definitely had. I think what you were gonna say is that cheese was terrible. It was less like cheese and more like Plastic. they had a guy eat. They had a guy eat cheese and <laughs> oh. then they got his. And then they got his earwax. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is so gross because that is so accurate. Yep. Yeah, that's how you get the cheeseroos. But these are the dunkaroos. So, so Seth, um, more questions about the dunk. Is this a gluten-free product? Can can folks at home enjoy it if they have celiacs? Um, uh, let's see. I threw away the wrapper, but I'll pull it back out of the garbage. Uh, Move move away some of that those rags in there. Um. Uh, <laughs> uh, it doesn't say. N- I I would doubt it contains milk, wheat, and soy ingredients. So no, probably not. Okay, there you go. So sorry, sorry for our folks with dietary restrictions, but um, so what? So we have we have the we have the the circular wafer nickel sized cookie, and then we've got the cream, right? Cream, we got the cream. cream. Yeah. So. <laughs> So where what what type what style are you of a dunker? Are you are you straight down straight up or are you a scooper or like t- walk us through what's happening here at, at the Seth Ott residence? Well, I think I'm gonna go ahead and I'm actually recording this right now. I'm gonna send it to you guys via Snapchat. Ooh. Um, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and and do my fr- th- this dunk is gonna be a, a nice uh, liberal dunk. I don't normally do a lot. I like to pace it out, but I'm gonna go ahead and, and give it a nice liberal dunk with a rainbow sprinkle in there. So without further Ooh, ado. Here we go. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Oh, look at that. You should nice. you should have put it close to the mic when you dunked it. <laughs> I want to hear that. I'll go ahead and squish. Ch- I'll go ahead and chew close to the mic. Here we go. There you go. Mm. That sounded like a good bite. Mm-hmm. That I gotta say that frosting is fantabulous. Um, <laughs> does it bring? Does it take you back? Um, again, I, I didn't really have Dunkaroos. I had the other kinds. So, but yes, partially, I guess. Um, 
the uh, the the frosting I remember being like the best part of the Dunkaroo previously. So um, yeah, I, I I would definitely uh, give this an A plus. Um, I'm definitely gonna be licking out the frosting later. So. <laughs> Uh, prepare for another video of that. Ladies. Oh, that's nasty. <laughs> He's single, girls. <laughs> I, I would give I would give the Dunkaroos a solid like B plus. A B plus. Hmm. Okay. Dunkaroos Dunkaroos twenty twenty B plus. And uh I, I want to apologize. We didn't have a we didn't have a warning. Um, but I imagine a lot of our listeners are probably incredibly turned on right now by hearing Seth's mouth noises. So we want to apologize that we didn't have a trigger warning for you guys, and you may have sneezed your jeans, and uh, we, we apologize for that. If you need your jeans replaced, uh, send all inquiries to at Seth Oat on Twitter, and Seth will make sure you get a new pair of drawers. Quick, quick question for you, Seth. Do you think the cookie to frosting ratio is there? Mm, I think, is there I th- enough frosting? I think the, the I would run out of, fr- like if I would have eaten... Okay. The same amount of frosting that I did for that one, I would run out pretty quick. Okay. There's definitely, yep. a, like, there's a good little dip of it. There's probably a a half, eh, I would say, like, three quarters of an inch worth of frosting in the in the trough. Um, but definitely not, not they, they need to make, like, Dunkaroo XL, like, for, like, XL frosting and stuff. Like, where it has more frosting than cookie in there. That would be perfect. You need, like, a vat of frosting and then just, you know, a bucket of cookies. Yeah. Can you eat the cookies without? Are they are they good enough to eat on their own? Oh, uh, let's try it out. <laughs> I just took another bite of it, so um let's see here. <laughs> um it's pretty it's it's a pretty standard vanilla wafer. Um so mm. yeah, you could if you're, you know, a psychopath. But <laughs> I I am a psychopath. You are. I, you, I, I, you just I eat, eat animal crackers grits. without frosting. In animal crackers. Yeah, I do that too. So this sounds might be a, so maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe you eat all the cream and then I'll eat the cookies. That's that's how <laughs> it's like ebony and ivory, except it's wafery and, and cream. What I will say too though, I, I got you know, I got uh one of the rainbow sprinkles in there. I didn't notice it. So that's the one thing I hate. Like I, I hate donuts with a bunch of sprinkles on them because like they always like I notice them in my mouth. There's like too many. Um, the cake donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, those are the best donuts. No, not with sprinkles. Sprinkles are. It's a it's a well known fact that Adolf Hitler was a huge <laughs> fan of sprinkles. So <laughs> history lesson, wow. folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So basically, wow. if you if you eat sprinkles, you support Nazism. Well, there you go. There's Seth Ott, social justice donut warrior. <laughs> SJDW. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm between you two on the, on the issue of sprinkles. I just don't care. Like if they're, I, I'm not gonna order, I'm not gonna specifically ask for sprinkles, but if they're there, I'll eat them. You know what? You're fucking part of the problem. You're you're worse than the people who actually like sprinkles. You need to pick a side. Mm-hmm. You're probably right. I need to. I need to. I need to get off the sidelines and into the game on this. Yeah. I. I will officially then. Um, well, you know what, Seth? You. You forced my hand here, and you're not going to like the results. I. I got to come out as pro sprinkle then. Pro sprinkles. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, pro sprinkles. <laughs> so there you go. The official stance of the Soco Show podcast is that sprinkles belong on on donuts and Dunkaroos. Wow. So, wow. Yep. Why don't you two just fucking start your own podcast, the Sprinko Show? Ooh. 
Maybe we will, because that's an excellent title yeah. for some shit. <laughs> Sprinkos. Maybe I could start my own company where I make jimmies, and I can call it Sprinkos. <laughs> Which, by the way, Sprinkles, fine. Jimmies is a way better name for those things, and I so appreciate when the Brits call them that. Yeah, but isn't a jimmy also referred to as a condom? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I think I think if I said I want a bunch of jimmies on my donut, you know what the fuck I'm talking about, right? Yeah, man, you're gonna get I a bunch know. of rubbers I, on your some, donut. Yeah, I was gonna say I live in the world of Andy Milanakis every now and then, so I feel like I could oh, see God. a donut with a bunch of jimmies on it. <laughs> Jesus. Well, remind me to never go to one of your guys' bachelorette parties because that's not the kind of donuts I want to eat. We're gonna go off yeah. on a quick tangent. I missed the Andy Milanakis show. That show was insane. <laughs> That show was hilarious when I was 15. I don't know if I would still think it's funny now. I really well, want to... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the only thing... I, I vaguely remember his, him and his friend hanging out and the intro song. Um, would you would you say... Maybe we've talked about this before, but would you say that that was YouTube before YouTube? Oh, yeah. Okay. It was yeah. very YouTube-y with different, like, dumb, random sketches. And that fucking guy with the fish always creeped me out. <laughs> like, random sketches. Actually, it was pretty pretty TikTok-esque, yeah. now that I think about it. Because mm-hmm. they, were, they were very short shorts. Um, but yeah, today, if Andy, Milan- if Andy Milanakis was hitting his creative prime today, he would be a YouTuber, and then he would be given a show. That would probably end up being awful. Um, but... Yeah. He went the opposite direction, and it turned out well. And he would hide, like, random websites and shit in there. Um, There was, like, there was one thing. It was on the third season when he went to L.A., and I think that was on, like, MTV2. Like, it got demoted to MTV2 by then. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was a sketch called Robot Snake, and it was him. And I think think his friend's name was, like, Rafi or Ralphie, maybe. Um, And they just had this song where they'd go, Robot Snake, Robot Snake, It Attacking Me, and Andy. And, like, really quick. It was like a flash. Like I had to pause it with my DVR, but on like on the screen, it popped up really quick in a in a in a um, still. And it said like robotsnake.mtv2.com, and you'd go there and it would like have some weird website. Like he would hide like weird shit in there. And then w- w- what did the website go to? Just a random like, nonsense. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember the website. It was like based off of the the sketch, and there was like stuff on there, but it, like. It's really nothing. It was just so weird. Yeah, I'm wa- I'm watching the clip, and again, this is like 480p, and it's just them standing in front of a green screen with a bunch of snakes popping in. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> how did they green... Like, again, it, it was such a weird show, but how or why was that made? I mean, I, I'm trying to wonder, who, who was the audience? MTV? I guess... Yeah, it was like, <laughs> like kids. I watched it. It seemed like... MTV was MTV was for was for like fourteen year old boys and then like twenty five year old stoners. Mm. It was were the I think the people that watched M, like that show on MTV. It was a really specific demo, um, and it's the same demo that the Bam Margera show, uh, Viva La I Bam, that. and Room and, Raiders, um, all that stuff. Room Room Raiders. Some girls would watch Room Raiders and like Next and things like that, but like. Um, the skater shows and like Robin Andy Milanakis, and then they had like I think um, Ashley Strangers Simpson, with Andy. Ashley Simpson. There was a lot of things on there that the target demographic was Seth and Seth only. <laughs> <laughs> because I do remember actually that um, 
uh, Andy Milanakis would come on after Ashley Simpson's show, so I'd watch back to back. That would be an amazing block of television that I enjoyed. Um, I think you're being a little generous with that amazing. Hey, amazing. Yeah, that's why they kept making you shows because you would also buy all the shit. Like you had the Viva La Bam DVDs and Ashley mm-hmm. Simpson's um, uh, album at home and all that stuff. Sure so did. you were a good consumer of MTV. I, I don't think it's. I don't think MTV is better for it, but. You did support them back in the mid aughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I MTV. That I. Now that I think about it, I watched that just as much as I watched like Nickelodeon when I was a kid. Like that was kind of I tried kind of transitioned over to that because I own all the seasons of Evil Bam. I own all the seasons of Robin Big, still to this day, um, and I own um, uh, a bootleg copies of the Ashley Simpson show. Uh, so like, I, I think I'm pretty cool. <laughs> I agree, Seth. You are pretty cool. Viacom has owned your ass That's for true. 25 years. They know their demographic. <laughs> From Nickelodeon straight oh. through to MTV, straight through to HBO. Cody, do you Viacom remember... owns you. Do you remember the chewy, chewy, chews, chewy, chewy, chews, that thing? Is that from Andy Milanakis? That's from Andy Milanakis. <laughs> I've, I've always known that, but I never knew why I knew... Like, I couldn't have told you where it was from mm-hmm. out of context. That's funny. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Didn't he start on the man show? He might have. Yeah, I think he I think did he because did. he was the one kid selling beer on the corner. Mm-hmm. Weird. Oh God, is that true? Yeah, Weird. He, he got discovered by Jimmy Kimmel, and that's kind of how his career started. That Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he was on Jimmy Kimmel Live in 05. That's before his show. Yep. That's crazy. He was on Nick, uh, Wild and Out. Wild and Out was my favorite show on MTV for like a long time. That shit was good. Man. Wow. What a trip down memory lane from Dunkaroos through the Andy Milanakis show. <laughs> That's high quality, high quality shit. And if you're wondering, yes, we are really scraping the bottom of the barrel for content for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying wow. it. I get to eat cookies. I was talking to some people uh, who didn't know that we have the show. Um, some people I know through work and... They were like, okay, should I listen to like a current episode or an old one? And I was like, I think they're both going to be really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know if it matters where you start. <laughs> they're, oh, wow. they're gonna, that, <laughs> I don't know. I could just imagine that conversation right now. Oh, yeah. I just, I just hope no one, no one like calls me on my work line and is like, hey, I was listening to your podcast and, uh, it was the one where you guys ate Dunkaroos and then talked about some weirdo named Andy Milanakis. Um, I don't think I'm going to keep listening to your show. <laughs> <laughs> That's also going to be a re- review on iTunes here coming up. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Um, that is a good reminder, though. If you are out there uh, and you can leave us a review somewhere, uh, please do so. But only if it's a positive one. Don't be an asshole. We don't want to hear your bullshit. Um that's a good segue into the rest of the show. Guys, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, and we're going to jump into all that. But before we do, we got to start with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. All right. Iron Chic had a little bit of, little bit of tweets this week. A um, couple good things, but of course, this, this past week uh, was Memorial Day. Uh, happy Memorial Day, past. Uh, respect to all the the veterans out there and uh, and the the fallen soldiers. You know this is the show to to really you know honor those those people. So Dunkaroos 
soldiers love Dunkaroos. That's what people come to us for, Seth, is is uh, early 90s candy reviews and heartfelt <laughs> messages to our veterans. <laughs> uh, but Iron Sheik uh, also had to pay his respects to uh, the soldiers, and he says, Please respect all the soldier on the Memorial Day, or else I suplex you, put you in camel clutch, break your back, make you humble, old glory way. Fuck the coronavirus forever. <laughs> Hashtag Memorial Day. <laughs> hashtag Honor the Fallen. That's a solid. That's a solid Memorial Day tweet. I like yeah. it. Uh, fuck the coronavirus forever. That's probably my favorite part. Do you did? Um, I wonder if if Sheiky Baby actually loves all the troops because I know Sergeant Slaughter uh, was wasn't he one of his WWE contemporaries or did they not? Did they not overlap? I think they did overlap. Were they pals? No, Sergeant Slaughter is usually a good guy. Yeah, Actually, no, he so. wasn't. Sergeant Slaughter wasn't normally a good guy. Um, he usually fought against Hulk Hogan. So they, they might have teamed up. You're challenging my, my wrestling knowledge right now. I, I, they might have teamed up at one point. Hmm. Well, at the very least, even if regardless of Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Sheiky Baby loves the troops and he hates coronavirus. <laughs> I call you a punk. All right, time to shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. There you go. Mathis Designs. Find our friend Steph on etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. And of course, Mike's Wood. Head over to etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your wood worked. Jared, you got it. <laughs> that was a good one. That that sounded a lot like Seth. It was. It's not a good noise. I'm not. I don't want to encourage that. But it was a good impression of Seth. I guess is what I'm getting at. That was solid. Um, you guys orgasm similarly, is what I'm saying. I was uh, just imagining eating those cookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. Let's kick it. One more ad here. Let's go to our previously recorded selves. Talk about some anchor. And speaking of Anchor, I want to give big shouts out to all of our Anchor contributors, Mike V, Jared B, Casey C, and Anna S. Thank you guys for uh, for helping us make the show possible and helping us improve it all the time. And uh, as it relates to Anchor, uh, one of the functions of Anchor that we don't talk about a whole lot is that you can leave us voicemail in Anchor. And uh, there should be a link to that somewhere in our description box if you head to the Anchor page where you can leave us voicemail. Last week, we heard uh, a review through the comment section of J Buck Live of our show uh, from Mike Media. And uh, Mike has left us a voicemail, and we're going to play that for you now. So let's, let's hear what Mike's got to say about the SoCo show here. Yes, Mighty Incorporated. Hello, my... Uh favorite pre-pubescent podcasters just uh, <laughs> letting you know i saw the little message and i'm sending you a message through anchor i don't know how to find you guys i on instagram or anything so yeah keep up keep on keeping on as joe dirt once said adios <laughs> that's a good message uh, <laughs> i love it joe dirt also joe dirt also says life's a garden dig it and that is my that is my advice back to you mike um and also, he referenced uh, finding us on its Instagram, or, or I am on Instagram at Cody is funny. Seth is not on Instagram, so Twitter is the best place to find Seth um, at uh, at Seth Owat or at Soko Show Pod. There you go. Uh, he runs that page as well. So 
so shouts out to Mike for leaving us a voice message. If you want to leave us a voice message, again, we are we are really looking for shit to talk about on this show. So <laughs> <laughs> Start prank and, uh, phone calling the show. <laughs> if you send us a fucking voicemail, we will play it. Um, and I, I, I would say that we promise we'll play it, but I, I don't want a whole bunch of hate speech in our fucking voicemails, and, and I've promised to play it. So yeah, we'll, be cool. we'll screen them. Yeah, we'll screen them. But, um, but leave us a voicemail, head over to the Anchor page and do that, and you might hear your voice uh, on the SoCo Show, which and, is... Uh, uh, because because uh, Mike's the first one to, to, to leave a message... Um, We'll have to shout out. He he does have a YouTube channel. He's mentioned during some of the the uh, comments in J Buck Live. Mike Media Inc. So go ahead and check him out there too. There you go. Yeah, give Mike a sub. Uh, head over to the YouTube's. Oh, I missed the button. Wait, I said YouTube's and I went to hit the Jared sounder just because it's a reflex. But we're not even talking about Jared's <laughs> So so never mind. Uh, Mike Media Inc. is the spot uh, on YouTube. Head over and and uh, talk to our new friend Mike. And uh, again, leave us a voicemail if you want to hear your voice on the SoCo show. You can do that all through Anchor. All right, well, that takes care of some business. Let's get to, uh, let's get to some other fun stuff that we were gonna talk about today. Um, couple things in the news, couple topics on our minds this week. Uh, I know top of mind for me uh, today, and I say today as, um, uh, today is Wednesday the 27th of May, uh, HBO Max has officially dropped. And as a subscriber to HBO Now in the past, I was a day one access person, uh, as were many others, to HBO Max. And so in addition to all the HBO content that I've been getting, access to a whole bunch of new libraries uh, via WB and and their wider umbrella um, of content that they have. So I was able to spend a little time in the app today. Um, Really, really like the interface. It's, I think, an improvement um, from HBO Now. But Seth, you were looking around in there and saw quite a few... Uh, quite a few things added to the to the library there that I know you're going to get in and watch. Yeah, man, they added the entire Skinamax library. I was pretty yes! pumped about that. That's what the Max <laughs> is for in HBO Max, the Skinamax. So uh, get in there, check that out if you want to see some softcore porn. They have uh, great cinematography. <laughs> oh, wow. Do you guys remember when they had like free HBO Cinemax weekend? Would you guys ever stay up late and and try and catch some some of that softcore? <laughs> i don't know if stay up late is the right way to put it but stay up all night yeah definitely we, we uh we personally did not have those channels and stuff but we had a kid that was uh in our class that did and i remember there was always a story that the mom caught one of them watching but also doing other things oh, yikes. eating dunkaroos right yes yes <laughs> Um, oh man, those are like eventful weekends because my parents would be like real excited about, uh, you know, having extra movies and stuff every once in a while to be able to, well, now by that age, I was gonna say, by the time we had DVR, it didn't matter anymore. I had, you know, I had, I had different access. Um, but they, sometimes I think they would record them on VHS and stuff like not the softcore porns, but the video, the movies. Um, I would be excited because I knew that come 1am, uh, uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Well earned. Um, we got another tangent tra- there. You were trailing um, off. What exact? What exactly would happen at one a.m.? You trailed off there. Uh, I would uh, usually fall asleep before one a.m. and be really <laughs> mad at myself for missing the Skinamax. Oh, hey, although every once in a while, Sunday. I would like like fall asleep on my futon or whatever and wake up 
and uh, it like it would be going. I would like wake up in the middle of a scene. It's oh, like waking wow. up on Christmas morning. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a cave. Oh, thank you. Oh wow. Cinema. So <laughs> there. <laughs> It took me a second. I had to rewind myself back to why are we talking about <laughs> softcore porn? Uh, Seth, what are some other things people can watch on HBO Max? Uh, they got a really good uh, series of movies called Harry Boners. Um, oh no, uh, Harry Potter. All the Harry Potter movies are on there. So uh, you can check those out. Uh, DC Library. They have the bad Batman movies on there. <laughs> Uh, uh, they got a whole bunch of animated stuff, like a ton of the Batman animated movies. They have Crunchyroll, uh, which is a, a streaming service with uh, animated stuff on there. They got the Studio Ghibli movies on there. Um, they got a ton of classics. I was listing them off to you guys before the podcast, but, I mean, Gone with the Wind, Casablanca, um, Singing in the Rain, like all kinds of old classics on there because they got Turner Classic movies. Um all kinds of like I mean they they definitely added a lot for this um, Lord of the Rings they get all the Lord of the Rings on there so they you know I th- I've seen some people online being like well what's the difference it, there really is a difference I mean the the movie library is huge it might, it might be stuff that you know is more popular and everyone's seen it before but it's still stuff like you know if you've missed things you can kind of fill it in or um, you, you know if you just want to like I know I'm gonna I have the Harry Potter movies on Blu-ray, but I never, like, was going to get up and put them in my DVD player. But now I might be like, oh, I'll just, you know, cast it to my TV and fall asleep watching it. So, you know, I have those options now, which is really nice. Uh, Looney Tunes. They also got all the Looney Tunes on there. So that's pretty cool, too. I, uh, I'm i excited especially about the classics because uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Casablanca. I've wanted to watch that again. Uh, so I've got that in my HBO queue. And then Singing in the Rain is a perfect example of, like, you know, we're always talking about these classic movies that we've not been a, that for whatever reason we just haven't seen, and so I think that's that's what I'm most excited for is to get through some of those, uh, you know, some of those those essential classics that I haven't seen yet. Um, Singing in the Rain being top of that list, so that's I think that's what I'm going to use it for initially is stuff like that. But you know, also uh, things like I'm not sure if you said Big Bang Theory and Friends. Um, oh, that's so there's right. a couple Fresh Prince, couple of the Fresh Prince. So if you're looking for um, you know, some sitcoms to, uh, to binge on, or if you've been, if you've been grieving the loss of friends from Netflix, uh, <laughs> switch over to HBO max and, and you can see it there. there. I agree. There, there is a shitload of stuff on here. Um, a lot of really great content and there's some originals coming out. I know Anna Kendrick had a uh, first part of a series that she's been working on uh, drop on there with release today. There is, um, I think there's a Gossip Girl sequel series in the works, uh, among many, many other things. Also, um, and that's going to be where uh, the Snyder Cut that we talked about last week for mm-hmm. Justice League is going to drop mm-hmm. there as well. But um, All, plenty, also, plenty of shit on there. Also, too, it's like HBO prior to this had a bunch of amazing shit on there already. Yeah. So uh, seeing people complain like, "What's the difference?" It's like you're getting already amazing stuff on top of like some good stuff they're adding so and and you're still gonna get like all the new hbo shows like i'm starting succession right now that's a show everybody loves when the new season comes out that'll episodes will come out the next day like same it's nothing really changes in terms of the hbo stuff it's like the extra stuff you get um yeah go ahead 
I was going to say, it's it's, um, it, it's one of those things, like, if, you know, I didn't have Cody's password, I probably would get it myself because of how, uh, you know, how much stuff they had, have on there and, like, all the great things they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen, again, you know, those there's, there's people complaining, oh, well, what am I getting that's new? I think that we might be forgetting that, I mean, Netflix didn't have, like, that original stuff for a long time, and I think that this is going to be kind of a release kind of like Disney+, Plus, where it's like, boom, here's a huge catalog of stuff, and then we're going to slowly start putting out original content while um, it's in the works, and obviously with what's going on in the world, some of that's probably being delayed a bit, but um, yeah, you guys are saying that there's so many more movies on there and shows, and just everything that HBO has for just series. Like, there's some great TV on there. Um, kind of like the nostalgia thing for me was Cartoon Network shows. Like, I saw some people tweeting out Dexter's Laboratory um, oh, yeah, screenshots right. today. Do they have Courage the Cowardly Dog? Because I'm going to watch that shit fucking now. I hope so. Yeah, if, if it has that stuff, that that is like, you know, that late 90s, early 2000s, like cartoons that I kind of grew up with. So I think that that would be kind of you know, throw on a couple episodes before bed would be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah this is really stellar. And Rick and, Rick and Morty I, is another one on there. Yep, all the Rick and Morty's on there. So, the, and that's the other thing too is all of these things are going to come off the other platforms they're on. Um, and oh, so, so, so the, Rick and Morty the, will leave Hulu. Well, I would imagine at some point there's probably some sort of deal that they have where they okay. have to continue to show them there. But I'm I'm sure that in time all of these things will eventually become exclusive to HBO Max because they're all WB owned. Um, I could be wrong about that, but you know, with, we saw it with friends, um, you know, and, and other shows um, already have had that happen. Um, the um, office is coming off Netflix to go to the Peacock sh- um, streaming service. So we'll, we'll start, we'll, we'll continue to see more of that. But I think one of the important things, like Seth said before, I, I was already paying $15 a month for just HBO stuff, and just HBO's original content is so worth that, mm-hmm. um, that I had, if, if, I was, if they were like, oh, for the same price, we're going to dump a whole fucking huge library of awesome shit on there, it's a no-brainer for me. If this now, and I would need to look like more specifically at like what is on which service, but I honestly do think if if you said Cody, you need to cut out all of your services but one. I think HBO Max might be the one I keep at this point. There's, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, going back to the Cartoon Network, they do not have Courage. They have Dexter's Laboratory, like you mentioned, uh, and then the other popular one I'm seeing. Uh, I guess some of these other probably are more popular than when I was a kid. But Powerpuff Girls are on there. Mojo, jo jo jo. Um, yeah, I'm really not seeing a whole lot of other stuff that I know. Uncle Grandpa is one. Um, <laughs> uh, Chowder, I think I've heard of before. The so they don't they don't have like that Friday night lineup that we grew up with, like Dexter's no, Lab, no. Ed, Ed and Eddie, Courage the Cowardly, the Dog. Not yet, at least. Maybe okay. they will in the future. Uh, Steven Universe is one I've heard of, but um, that's on there, but I've never watched that. Uh, ben 10 apparently is on there. Do they have Danny Phantom? No, that's Nickelodeon. Oh, it is, isn't it? That's because that, yeah, because Nickelodeon was the better yep. of the cartoon. Yep. Channels, so, well, <laughs> depends I what I would say. It depends on what years. Uh, yeah. All of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and they do have actually new Looney Tunes too. I'm actually I might actually check those out. I've always liked Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes are fun. 
talk about turn your brain off for a few minutes at a time. That's that's how you're going to do it best hey, is with the Looney Tunes. Smart entertainment. <laughs> so HBO Max is out there. Um, if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably already have my password to the shit. So make sure you update <laughs> your app. That's true. <laughs> and um, if you're not, uh, you can you can. I think if you prepay for a year's worth of HBO Max now, uh, they discount it by three dollars a month. So it's only like twelve bucks a month, yeah. which is a screaming deal if you ask me. Based on what <laughs> they have on there, um, <laughs> screaming deal is one of my favorite expressions to use. Um, Deal. So, uh, recommendations from us uh, on HBO Max. So make sure you go over and check that out. So that's been, for me, that's been some of the biggest news of the week as it relates to entertainment. What, what else is on your guys' mind this week? Jared, you got anything to add? Um, oh, geez, I don't know. I don't know. Just kind of trying to stay sane, I guess. I don't know. Well, I know one thing you talked about on J-Buck Live that I kind of want to talk about a little bit more. Uh, is John Krasinski and the Some Good News thing. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, because I was kind of just, you know, during that show I talk at a screen so I can't get other people's input sometimes, so I'm curious <laughs> what you guys have to say about that. Yeah, and you're you're on a delay, too, so it's kind of hard to, yeah, you know, keep, yeah. you have to keep it moving, but you also can't just sit there and be like, oh. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no, the, the SGN thing, for those who don't know, uh, we talked about it, I had it as my one more thing a, a while back, but John's, John Krasinski did this at-home News show where he's he's sharing positive news, getting some user uh, input and uh, videos and things like that. But then also doing so basically the setup of the show is it was like a twenty minute show. The first ten or so minutes was like user stuff where they'd submit user things, and then the second half he would um, have like a celebrity or um, do like a he had like a graduation or a prom and things like that. Uh, where he'd bring in all kinds of like people. He brought in like Oprah and Guy Fieri, and he brought the entire cast of The Office and all. Didn't kinds he reunite of stuff. like Hamilton and stuff too? Yep, he did that. Um, so, what happened this week? So he at this uh, like I think last Monday um, he, he did his last episode. Um, he, he didn't exactly in the episode say like I'm done doing this forever, but he did say you know I'm I'm done bye you know basically, and so he had been he had planned on not doing any more. And then a couple of days later, it came out that he sold it to CBS. Uh, apparently, it'll be on the, the all-access thing, um, and it'll be different hosts and blah, blah, blah. People were outraged <laughs> this week that he sold the show um, because uh, there a lot of people, I think, their reasoning was that he was taking other people's content and making a show out of it. I think that was the biggest complaint I saw. Um, I, I see... I think there was another complaint, too, that I think you brought up, Jared, where it's like he just did this on YouTube because it was a YouTube show. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, people who, you know, like you, you've put in, you know, many years and, and <laughs> way better produced content and stuff. And, and um, you know, it's in terms of like the way that everything looks and all that. And, you know, he's selling his for millions of dollars. And I get that point. I can I can understand why that's frustrating. What I what makes me upset is that people are mad that he sold it. Because what would you do in that exact situation? If you were mm-hmm. done making something, just done, you're, I'm done making it, and someone offered you millions of dollars to take it and so they can make it, you would do the same thing. And I see people mm-hmm. outraged online, like, oh, you shouldn't have sold it. Why? It's just mm-hmm. going to sit there. Why, why shouldn't he sell it? Also, the other thing, the people who are upset about it were saying, like, um, you know, he's using other people's content. Yes, for part of the show. The other part of the show he put he brought all of those people into it. He didn't have to bring those people in. He could have had the entire show just be people like user submitted things. But he reached out to all the people he knew. He used all his resources, used his time. He didn't have to do that show. It's like 
he he brought eight episodes of it, I enjoyed it. I teared up at almost every episode, you know. So like, it's like why even try if you if you're if you're if you're someone who can do some good and and he brought so much joy to people that he brought onto the show. It's like if you have that power to do that and you're just gonna get shit for it, I wouldn't do it anymore. If I was him, I'd be like, fuck you, I'm done altogether. I'm not mm-hmm. putting out Quiet Place two. I'm not gonna do any office reunions. I'm done. Fuck you guys. That's how frustrated I would be if I was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think if if the complaint is that it's using other people's content, then like, where's the outrage for Tosh Point and ridiculousness and America's Funnest Home Videos mm-hmm. and every account on Instagram that has a million followers? Like, the, we or we've the reached news. a point where <laughs> yeah. yeah, the news for that matter. So yeah, I I think that's a silly complaint using other people's content and you know they're there are enough rules and things in place now where those people are getting some version of credit, yep, right? Or, yep. or they're giving some version of permission for that stuff to be used. I don't know what his process was for doing that, um, and I don't know what the CBS show will be, um, but that that's using other people's content, is that's a silly complaint to me. Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think, you know, if, if someone's going to sell, if someone's going to give you a bunch of money for something that to you is now worthless because he's not going to do it anymore, mm-hmm. um, sure, take your money. My, I guess my... The problem I have, and it's not a problem, I just don't really understand CBS and their motivation for buying it. Yeah. I mean, this is it's it's such a the small, name. unique thing. Like mm-hmm. like some good yeah, sure, you get the name. That's probably the biggest thing. Some good mm-hmm. news. But like this this show exists. It's Ellen. It's the fucking yeah. tonight it's, show. It's, it's every show. show. Every show is this. It's just some good news. So they they I guess they nix politics from it completely, which no other show can seem to do. So like I, I just don't get what, what CBS thinks it's going to do with this. I don't see mm-hmm. it succeeding, even even if they do increase the budget and, and get a new star host and everything. I just don't see why it's why they think it's more than a YouTube show, is where I disagree, is just the philosophy of deciding to buy it. I don't have a philosophical problem with, with Krasinski or CBS from buying it. I just don't see it as a wise move for them in terms of what, what are they going to do with it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head right there where – it was this thing where he did it was going to do it for a limited time it's to bring people together it's a youtube show it has a life and then cbs all access just thinks that they can somehow corporize it and i just don't think that you can take that same wonder and what made the show on youtube so special especially with john krasinski and somehow bring it to a network um that i think is my biggest problem because it's just like who over at CBS, I mean, aside from the name, which that probably carries quite a bit of weight right now, I just don't know. Yeah, it's like, it, it's a show. Um, I, you know, you go to any other YouTube channel, you're getting the same show. You go to any TV show, like you're saying, like any talk show, you're getting the same show. What, what, what's the end game here, essentially? Um, I do kind of have, you know, I, Seth, you mentioned it. I feel a little bit like, oh, well, I've been producing blah, blah, blah. But that's that's life. You know, he, he's mm-hmm. been in Hollywood. He's been acting. He has all of these connections. And plus, anyone else that would do that exact same show, it wouldn't be as big because he had the following. He had the name. He Even his wife has the name. Like, you know, that that's what made the show so special. And he was doing it out of the kindness of his own heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I it's hard to imagine like I have a feeling they're probably gonna retool it and make it look better and all that stuff because it's I the the logo is drawn by his daughter so mm-hmm. and, and they kept the same logo the entire show 
So I, it's hard to imagine that they're going to keep that logo in the same level of production and, and you know, people not wearing pants at the end of it and stuff like, you know, like it, it's, it, I, I can't imagine they're going to, they're going to just basically take the name and kind of redo it and it'll fail and, you know, whatever. But, you know, it, for me, it's like good for him for, you know, doing it for the first, like he didn't, he didn't have to do that at all. And he did, you know, like it, it brought, you know, eight episodes of happiness. I was happy every time I watched it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, it's like that that type of reaction, and I, this will go into my next point, I guess, unless you guys have any more to add to it, is the, the type of reaction and the negativity that the social media that of it all brings is like for me, it's like if I was in that same position, I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't because it brings so much – like you just wouldn't feel good about yourself after reading that. That's the reason like – why do you think for all this up and uh, all this time until now he hasn't done like an office reunion? You know, like it took to it took all this to happen for him to do a podcast with the the you know the office rewatch show, like to bring all these people back together and talk to them on a on, on a platform because like that 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 type of like attention online is usually so negative and and then it proved to be like that that for me that just I wouldn't want to do it at all. I would be like I'm done. I have no point. I have no reason to do that. And mm-hmm. for me, this is one that, like, it was, whenever this broke, like, last week, I, th- I think it was last week, um, I was just, I was so done. I was like, th- I don't know, for whatever reason, like, this broke the straw for me. And mm-hmm. so this whole, this whole, uh, this broke the straw. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. This is the straw that broke. <laughs> um, the, for Memorial Day weekend, from, like, Friday until, like, when I went back to work on Tuesday, I was almost non-existent on social media and let me tell you i woke up on tuesday morning and i had a spring in my step i felt so good and i didn't realize it until until i uh like i got to work and got on twitter like for whatever reason that's like a routine now got to work and got on twitter yeah yeah, i'm very productive um but like (laughs) i had realized like i'd very sparingly been on social media and it was amazing like I, i i didn't even try like it wasn't something i tried to do but i was like at home watching stuff uh, Cody and I were playing a game on VR, so I couldn't possibly be on uh, on social media. Um, it was it was amazing, and if, there's been a long time where I've been like people who talk about I'm taking a break from social media. I don't, you know, blah blah blah. Like I'm addicted to it. I'm, and I, and it, there's been like part of me. It's like okay, you know, come on. But doing this now and like not realizing I wasn't on it, it really does affect moods depending on what mm-hmm. you read because most of it's so negative. And if you're on it enough, it does impact it. And when I realized how good of a mood I was on Tuesday, uh, it was it was really kind of eye opening. Um, mm-hmm. So for people who who you know are on it too much or you know get, get impacted by it, try and take a break because it really does help. I think that's really good advice. I uh, I haven't been using it since quarantine, but Google has an app um, called Digital Wellbeing. And it helps you lock yourself out of apps and or time limit yourself. So shortly before quarantine, I had been using it pretty religiously and I was limiting myself to like five or 10 minutes a piece on each of the social media platforms. Cause I, I don't know if I would ever want to completely get off because that's how I get a lot of my news for better or worse. Um, but limiting the time you spend on there, I agree is, is huge. And specifically talking about like negative comments and how like discouraging that would be if you were trying to put good out into the world. Like we don't deal really with comments at all, but I'm curious, Jared, 
if you like get negative shit on your videos, how you respond to that and whether it's just like, oh, okay, fuck you guy. I'm going to keep doing my thing. Or if that like bothers you or where on that spectrum does it land if you get some hate? I doubt it happens often, but it's had to yeah. Um, I One, Seth, I'm so glad you brought that up because yeah, I, I've experimented with taking a few days off. Again, I'll jump on just to post a video and then I'll jump mm-hmm. off. But there's days where I literally like wake up, start editing, eat and then keep editing until bed and i don't even open my open up my phone and those are probably the best days ever because i don't have to deal Mm. with shit um again there's a lot of weird things going on right now so it's it's very tough um but cody going to your uh thing about you know hate and bad comments and stuff just running in for twitter example running in the film sphere everyone has a goddamn opinion um That's why I don't like ranking videos because everyone's like, no, you're wrong. You're right. And it's like everyone has an opinion. Just accept it. But as for comments, I know since I've gotten a little bit more traction, you know, like specifically that Birds of Prey video, but also quite a few of my ending explained poorly's actually like people get pretty heated in there when my theory or whatnot is explained poorly. Um, But that's the point. Um, they, (laughs) the thing is there, there's days where I go through and there's probably five comments that basically say like, go kill myself. Um, it doesn't hit me right then, but when I'm going to bed two weeks later, all of a sudden it just hits me. Um, so one, be kind to people, everyone that's listening, but yeah, trying to just deal with that. I mean, if I got the comments I got today, two years ago, I probably would have quit. Um, Mm -hmm. I've built up this thing and Cody, I don't know if you ever deal with this doing comedy, but you kind of have to build up a skin to it. You almost have to become numb because these people are complete strangers. There's maybe personal things in their life that are going on that, you know, right now everyone's on edge. So maybe it's just this final thing. They say something, then they're like, haha, whatever. But then if you do respond to these people, I've noticed a good majority of them are like, oh, I'm so sorry about that, like, I I didn't mean it. Which, then Mm -hmm. it's like, what was the point, you know? Did you just have that anger that you had to get out? Mm Mm-hmm. There is some... It's pretty rare that I run into that in comedy because I think it's harder for people to uh, confront a person in, like, live, right? If I had a bunch of comedy videos out there, I'm sure there'd be a shitload of comments on the stuff I say, but... (laughs) um, But... Yeah, no, it, it's happened very rarely that people will come up and say certain things about me or about other comics that I happen to be on shows with. And yeah, there is that sense of, I know what my art is, and if you don't like it, that's fine, but there are plenty of other people who might, so I'm just going to ignore your opinion. And that's a lot easier said than done. Like you said, it'll come back around. You'll think about it months later. Oh, shit, someone said I, my voice sounds like a kid. That's going to bother me, right? So, like it's it's a fine line um but eventually i think everyone 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 that i've heard of that manages that well eventually gets to a point where you just can ignore uh hateful shit and then and make your content for the people who like it not necessarily Mm -hmm. to impress the people who hate it um and that's but i agree if i if if i were trying to do something and what krasinski's doing here is universally good it's he's it's not and i i uh, to be honest i haven't watched a lot of the show i've just seen like short clips Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not 
I'm going to say political, but I don't even mean political in the sense that it relates to Washington, but just like there, are, he's not like presenting arguments on one side of an issue that there's an alternate side to. He's mm-hmm. just, pro- he's providing universally good stuff, heartwarming things that everyone should love. And to have that be your mission statement. And then when you go to sell it, be met with such vitriol must be super discouraging. I would, I would be upset um, if I were him, but I would also have a couple million more dollars if I were him. So it would probably be a lot easier for me to swallow all that. I don't know, but I agree. Yeah. What be kind is the the best thing you'll hear on this podcast today. Um, be kind. And if you can't say something nice, don't fucking say anything. I think people forget that because it's too easy to post comments. Um, that said, if you, uh, if you want to leave a review of the SoCo show, uh, head over to anchor pod, uh, Apple podcast or anchor and do that. Um, but don't be a dick or do be a dick. We can take it. I can take it. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, when people say nice things about the podcast, I get more offended because I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) What kind of of idiot are you that this is what you like? (laughs) What is wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you okay? Oh yeah. You need higher standards. (laughs) You need to find Jesus. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Um, so, yeah, what else do you think we can do to drive away our, our already small listening base? Um, hmm. First, we made them listen to Seth Chu, and then we told them we don't care about their opinions and they have bad taste for listening to us. You mean you reeled them um, in on the chewing? We reeled them in with the chewing. That's what mm-hmm. we did. <laughs> oh, man. Well, there's lots of stuff going on. I will say, before we before we go on, we got a bunch of reviews to get to. But Seth mentioned this a second ago. A highlight of this last, I think, couple weeks' time, uh, Seth and I have discovered a new game on Oculus Quest. And we've talked about the Oculus Quest VR headset um, a few times on this show. It's been roughly a year since we got them. Um, we talked about watching movies in the theater via VR, and we got this new game called so Echo Arena. I, wa- I want to kind of preface this a little bit because... Yeah. <laughs> when when I want to pull up the text... Um, so let's see here, where to go. Okay, so it was Saturday at eleven o'clock my time, so it would have been nine o'clock your time. Um, I'd woken up. I was gonna try and actually work out because the the VR honestly, like, there's a boxing game on there. I've talked about it before. It's a legit workout because they use like real boxing and stuff. So I was gonna like try and get a little workout in on Saturday, and that was gonna be my movement for the day. And um, instead, I ended up pulling up. So I, like weeks ago, I downloaded this this beta for Echo VR, and I was like, this looks weird i don't know what it is i'm just gonna it's free i'm gonna download it so i started it up and uh, so my text was uh dude it's just text all by itself dude if you're still able you have to download echo vr on the oculus store and play it as soon as possible you're basically in an iron man suit and play an intense version of ultimate frisbee you can grab other people and punch them and you get jet boosters and things like that the point is to throw a disc into a floating goal but it's chaos with everyone flying around uh, so basically that's that's it it's like an, an ultimate frisbee like battle game where you throw a frisbee into a goal and you fly around in an iron man suit and it's absolutely incredible that's a really apt description i've been i've been describing it to people as ender's game uh except without guns and i i think the actual point to ender's game is to try to get a guy through to the other side um or a, a person a player to mm-hmm. the other side and through a gate, but uh, that that VR floating no gravity situation, and you're having to like use jet boosters and like throw yourself, 
it is impossibly fucking fun. I don't know how fun <laughs> it sounds, but I jumped on it that day that Seth had texted me that, and we, uh, we're pretty sure we both are addicted to this game. Um, <laughs> And and we've been playing the shit out of it, and I I will I will submit I think I think we're pretty good at this game too, um, and so uh, eventually we may get to a point where we need to quit the podcast and pursue a, a professional <laughs> career in virtual reality uh, disking. But um, said, do you if you still have your text up, read the text you sent me today, because we we are starting to have concerns about our 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 mental and physical health as it relates to Echo VR. Do you have that? Yeah, I have another dude in there, too, which isn't always common. I said, dude, I think my brain is having trouble switching back and forth between VR and real life. If I'm focusing enough on my computer, I'll start to have that Guitar Hero effect where I feel like I'm floating upwards like an echo, which has never happened before. (laughs) And then I said, all I want to do is play that game right now. And then Cody texted back, all caps, fucking same. (laughs) (laughs) The VR, th- I so I googled. We had we had, and we're mostly joking about that. We were texting about that this morning, and I googled um, uh, virtual reality gaming addiction. And there's not like data because VR hasn't been around long enough. But like the in the psychology community that's already dealing with things like video game addiction, they have they have concerns about VR, mostly. D- mostly related to virtual reality pornography. Yeah. <laughs> they think people are going to get really addicted to that. And uh, all this is to say that like the, the world that exists in the, in the book, in the movie ready player one, where people live like most of their lives in VR, I think like psychologically and social, socio, sociologically speaking that that's possible that people mm-hmm. would get so into VR that they would spend more of their time there. Um, like it, because it, it can happen pretty quick. If you find a game you like, you spend a couple hours in there. And then on the issue of like switching back and forth, I had this experience a couple years ago. I was in Los Angeles. And um, at the time, I lived in Iowa. Um, but in California at the time, marijuana was legal. And <laughs> I went on this excursion with some friends and um, we experimented with legal marijuana in the state of California. And went to a VR experience and I would urge people to be very careful if you're going to use drugs and do VR because it fucked my brain up for like a day and a half. Like I was walking into shit because in VR, like you, you, you're not going to run into something in VR and have it matter. Like you'll just phase through shit. But so like I was walking into like tables and the corners of buildings and shit because I was expecting to go by them and part of that was I had accidentally done a, like a shitload of marijuana edibles. Um, <laughs> I had accidentally like done way, 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 way more than I was supposed to. Um, but uh, yeah, that stuff will mess with your brain a little bit if you spend a lot of time in there. And mm-hmm. Seth and I have been spending a lot of time in there. Yeah. The last so, like three times we've played, we've played until our headsets have died <laughs> simultaneously because we charge <laughs> them on the same <laughs> pattern now. Uh, yeah, we're on the same. Um, we're on the same cycles now. So, um, if you've seen power if cycles, you've seen power cycles. There you go. If you've seen the episode of Black Mirror, where Anthony Mackie and um, oh, what is his name? The guy who plays um, Black Manta in um, in Aquaman. I can't think of his name. It's a, it's like a really African name. Um, Giamman Hansu. 
No, it's not him. But yeah. anyway, uh, Anthony Mackie and him uh, are gaming buddies in VR, and they 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 get into some a uh, sex thing in mm. VR, and that's a Black Mirror episode. So everything shy of the fucking is Seth and I in VR. <laughs> like we we're we're in there way too often, um, and it's we we I gotta I gotta find some other shit to do, or I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna it's gonna start causing me issues. What I will say <laughs> too, though, honestly, fun. like. Until now, I, I've really enjoyed the the Oculus, and there's a lot of fun stuff on there. But like, this is something that I would say is is worth like the four hundred dollars of the because it's free right now. But it'll eventually mm-hmm. you have to pay for it. But like that, this is worth the four hundred dollars of the the quest. Um, mm-hmm. It's it, it's that fun, and it's that like just honestly, just going in there and floating around with jet boosters is cool. Like that, mm-hmm. that's, that alone is like satisfying because you don't have cords or anything that, you know, the quest is all in the headset. So you're just, I mean, you, you could walk around your room, fly in and it, it's, and you don't get sick. Like we, we've, like I said, we've spent like two hours at a time in there and we never, like I've, I've gotten a headache towards the end of playing it, but never like motion sickness or anything like that. It's, it's pretty nuts. And this is, this is like, this is like what the future of gaming is going to look like. Like this is this mm-hmm. is a legit sport is what it's gonna end up being because by the time we're done playing like I've got I wear a pedometer for like a for uh, this thing at work that I do for counting steps and stuff I get like twenty five hundred steps playing this like for a couple hours and we're like sweating at the end like we're both like exhausted after playing it so mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. Hmm. I looked I think- up the I looked up the trailer. Um, and yeah, Ender's Game was the first thing that came to my mind, but also, I don't know if you two are aware of it, but kind of a mixture of Blitzball as well from Final Fantasy. I yep. did have a question. How do you move? You So you have boost. these, yeah, you have boosters in your hands. Um, so like you point your hands where you want to go and then you have a booster in them. So you hit a button and that's, you can travel slowly that way. But a lot of the movement is either grabbing onto a teammate or something in the environment and then like pushing yourself off of it is a big part of it. And then you Make, have a, a, a bigger boost. So you're so never stuck. So could you stuck. essentially play like sitting down or is this the thing where yeah. you have to move around quite a bit? You can play you sitting can sit down. down I, I've heard a lot of people who do that uh, like because there's a chat room and stuff. Um, there's a lot of people who play sitting down, standing up. Um, yeah, you can like crawl like Spider-Man if you wanted to. <laughs> Uh, you can mm-hmm. crawl on the top of the seat. Like, I know, like, some of the way I play is I'll hang up on, like, a... Because they kind of like paintball and stuff. They have obstacles and things like that where you can hang out behind. So you can just, like, kind of hold on to it. And then when the the disc comes out, you can kind of, like, jump towards it and stuff. It's it's nuts. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. I like to play standing up. I've... I have in my room, I think Seth has done this too. I have done a a leaping jump off of the floor to try to grab yeah. a disc in that yeah. game. That's how <laughs> that's how immersive it feels. And I've I've all but dove on the floor as well. The um, other the other annoying one is um so if I'm cuz I usually spend my time high up higher up in the air. And if so, a puck is below me, I'll try and like bend down to grab it and I'll just smack the floor <laughs> with, with yeah. my hand. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's just it's crazy, man. It's it. I've I've uh, in my living room area, I've cut up a yoga mat and put it kind of in the middle and it'll slide around still a little bit. But now I know where I'm at in the middle of the room so I can kind of have a better gauge without opening up my headset and, and that type of thing. Like I'm I'm in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is. I've, so this game specifically Echo Arena VR, if you have Oculus, either Quest or Rift, fucking get it. It, it's it's like it's the game that to me 
is like okay vr gaming is like here right mm-hmm. um and if you're if you've been holding out on vr and you're like wanting to and you're like i wonder if it's there yet i wonder if it's there yet it is get the quest um it's a great entry level you don't need a high powered pc or anything to run it but um the vr shit is is it's arrived and uh and in a big way with echo so Make sure you guys check that out. Uh, enjoy responsibly, <laughs> as 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 uh, as Seth and I tell you about our fucking. I, I know I'm gonna end up like falling over at when I play it. It hasn't happened yet, but um, but I'm sure it will eventually. So keep an eye out for the documentary about Seth and I's rise to uh, professional athlete status <laughs> in uh, in virtual reality gaming. So that'll be. We've already created some names for some of our moves too. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty intense. We should we should do like a stream of it sometime. That would be pretty <laughs> fun if we could, if we can figure out how to do that. Um, that would be a blast to do. So, I think that'd be funny. Yeah, if you guys could somehow get in, I could spectate and be the announcer. <laughs> that'd we be tell cool. you our that move names, and then you can announce them. Oh yeah. man, that's the SoCo special. <laughs> yeah, that shit's pretty rewarding. So if you're look if you're still out there looking for shit to do. Uh, consider consider VR gaming, and if you already have it, uh, consider Echo as a game to play. So that's that's what's Echo. been on our minds this week um, is those few items, and uh, we 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 do have a lot of stuff that we have to talk about, namely some reviews. So uh, why don't we switch gears and jump into that? And we're going to start in the TV corner. Television down on the corner. Nobody puts baby. We have, it's been packed for TV lately, and that continues uh, in this episode. We have one, two, three, four, we have five shows to review. It's a TV Pentagon, and uh, JB is going to be the MVP because you've got three shows to share with us, so we've, and then Seth and I each have one. So Jared, why don't you start with one of yours? And then right. we'll just kind of bounce around from there. All right. So many shows, so many TVs. Um, the first one I watched was a Netflix series, and it is not Spanish. I said Spanish. It is actually Mexican. They speak Spanish, though. Um, and this is called Control Z, and it kind of takes place in a high school. I believe that they are juniors and seniors kind of are the people that they're focusing on. And it's sort of a setup of... This hacker gets information from all of these students and kind of releases it, and then the school goes haywire. Um, It's sort of – I haven't watched the show, but some people are calling it kind of Gossip Girl with like a Black Mirror vibe to it. But yeah, it's it's this. They go to a an assembly, and then essentially everyone's secrets come out, and they're getting blackmailed. Like, hey, you need to do this unless uh, otherwise this thing's going to happen. And it's kind of almost, I, I also said a, a hint of Harriet the Spy because it's this girl and this other guy that are going through this um, series of, I think it's eight episodes, it's pretty quick, each episode's about 30 minutes, but they're trying to figure out, trying to solve this mystery of who the hacker is. Is it him? Is it she? Is it a teacher? Is it someone they don't even know? Um, so it's kind of a fun you know mixture of all of these kids with, you know, 2020 technology and the secrets that they have and kind of backstabbing and finding out who your true friends are and kind of figuring out who you are rather than hiding secrets. And would it be a more, um, like a better world, I guess, if people just told the truth all the time. So it kind of has those like themes running through it, but I liked the mystery angle to it. It was a quick watch. Like I said, um, 
it does have English dubbing. I believe you can turn that off and just read the subtitles. Um, I listened to the English dubbing and also had the subtitles on, but I really liked this. I'm, I'm curious what they're going to do if this is going to be um, a setup for multiple seasons because there were a few things that it did feel like this season was a setup. And I wouldn't say that it leaves on like a huge cliffhanger because, uh, Seth, I know that you don't like that. Um, but it does some of the motivations of the characters and some of the storylines kind of go by the wayside, you know, halfway through <laughs> go by the wayside. Um, <laughs> I keep saying that I keep saying it. Um, I did. It, it, it's enjoyable. It's fun. Like I said, it, again, it's a quick watch and it has some unique stuff to it. I wouldn't rush out and watch it, but if there are going to be multiple seasons to this, I could see this being something that, you know, kind of gets a smaller cult following, not one of those big ones like, uh, I don't know, does 13 Reasons Why, does that have, like, a huge following? Yeah. Yeah. People love that show. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, it's, it, if you're running out of things to watch, throw it on. This is, I, I think what's interesting now about shows set in high school today um, you know, your 13 Reasons and your Control-Z and your um, Riverdale is another one. Like, there's a lot of this stuff that is, like, super dramatized, right? So in, in a lot of those shows, there's, like, murders and shit. Mm-hmm. But behind all that is the truth that is high school now. And it sounds fucking horrible. I am so glad that we're not in high school right now. With all the tweets and all the shit that people are passing around and e-bullying and all that. Cyberbullying, I think, is how they actually refer to that. But... Yep. Um, I, every time I watch something set on set in high school, like today, I lose faith in our youth and it's not their fault. It's just the world they grew up in, but it makes me so sad, um, that this is the kind of shit that those people have to grow up through. Is that, does that, does that come across in the show or is it like too dramatic or out there or wacky for that to really hit? I, I will say it's a little dramatized, but the stuff that happens could happen. Like, you know, someone hacks the Wi-Fi, and that's how they're able to get into everyone's phones. And it it's like message, oh, I sent you a picture. I thought you deleted it. Oh, no, I sent it to everyone else. So it, it's, it's things that probably happen in high school that, I like you're saying, I'm so glad that right when we were leaving high school was when all this technology came to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Snapchat not existing in high school is probably the best thing to ever happen to like Oh, me. God, my <laughs> junk would have been everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah and my junk was not at its best when i was 15 so i'm pretty glad that i didn't have access to sharing it to the world um back then so uh control z this is a netflix original that you can watch now i'll go next and switch to well right before we do we got some breaking news oh shit here we go break yourself fool and that's when you break tight Ooh, I'm intrigued. What do you got? I finished my Dunkaroos. No. <laughs> <laughs> I actually... <laughs> Break yourself, fool! I, <laughs> I actually have news. Um, just saw uh, that, that uh, per comicbook.com, uh, Henry Cavill Superman to return in multiple DC movies. He struck a deal with Warner Brothers to appear in multiple DC movies. Not a Man of Steel 2 movie, but will appear in multiple DC movies. Hmm. I, my official stance after three seconds of pondering is that I don't care. 
Um, <laughs> if it's if it's not Man of Steel two, like if it's, if he's just gonna appear in other shit, it, this doesn't mean a lot to me that it's Cavill. They could have recast him for all I care. But Man of Steel two is actually something I want. I, am I the only one here that like I, I I would love to see another Man of Steel? I'm not dying to see it, but I'd be curious to see it because, like, looking at the track record that they've had, Man of Steel is in the top probably three of the DCEU right now. It would be in mine. Yeah, I uh, um, I don't really care that much, uh, <laughs> but I, I liked him, Superman. Like, he was never the problem. Um, you know, yeah. he, he he was forced to say Martha. So I mean, like, that's. You know, that's not his problem. Uh, he he did a good job. I liked him as Superman, and I I liked Man of Steel. I liked the you know the fact that he did break Zod's neck. I thought that was cool. Um, so with this happening, obviously he's going to be Superman again, correct? It, is mm-hmm. that what it said? Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Is it is he going to show up in another Justice League? Is he going to show up in Shazam? Is he going to be? I, I I don't know. I think that's. I honestly think that's what we're leading towards. I think that they're putting a lot of stock into this. Uh, just the the Snyder cut. I think that's going to be looked at as the real cut of Justice League, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to end up making another Justice League out of it. That that's kind of the original plan of it all. Um, I think that he because he announced like he, he was on that stream with Zack Snyder, and, and um, yep. I think that's that's all that kind of kicked this all up and and. You know, because uh, he up until this point, he's been very quiet about S- Superman, and um, he, you know, he's he's been kind of sour on it all. And I think now, uh, now that Zack Snyder's back involved, and and it sounds like from what I understand that the Snyder cut's going to end with a cliffhanger, um, that that basically that the Justice League doesn't win, uh, kind of like Endgame or yep. uh, Infinity War. Um, and so I think that I think that that's kind of what this means is that maybe he's in another. Uh, maybe he's in Shazam two or something like that, and he sets up, an, or Aquaman two, and sets up, um, you know, a, a, the, you know, a second Justice League, and and then that's what he's in. He's maybe he's in two or three more movies, and then that's that's kind of how they wrap it up. But I don't know. That we'll is see. an interesting, very interesting wrinkle that I had not previously considered. What if the Snyder Cut is so different that it ends? with a different series of circumstances than the original Justice League, then do they take the Snyder Cut and continue? Which is what I, what I think, Seth, you're saying. Or do they take what exists already as Justice League and continue from there, which becomes canon? And because they're throwing so much money at and we heard this past week that it's likely to be over $30 million, mm-hmm. it almost does sound like maybe they get Cavill in, reshoot a couple things, um, and or just change things up make this a more Cavill-friendly movie going forward, because I know at the time they weren't sure he'd be back after Justice League, and maybe they were able to rewrite that whole story via the Snyder Cut. Maybe that's their intent, and maybe that's why they are comfortable throwing all this money at it. That makes me a lot more interested in the Snyder Cut. If if that's going to be the jumping-off point for the rest of the DCEU, then I'm far more interested than I was before. Well, and and he actually um, shared a tweet today yes this morning yep. that said he, he's coming dot 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 so this is Zack Snyder he's coming dot 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 to HBO Max and it's a still of what it looks to be Darkseid um, which I don't think he was in Justice League I don't remember that movie um, but uh, that was supposed to be a big thing where basically he's kind of like the Thanos where he you know takes them down so it sounds like this is going to be a very different movie um, and then that's going to set up kind of the, the, the upcoming things 
So maybe, yeah. may, maybe the, the upcoming appearances, you know, it maybe he's in Shazam and he recruits Shazam, Shazam to be in Justice League. Maybe he's in Aquaman too, and they set up maybe Green Lantern through that and they bring Green Lantern in or, you know, maybe he's in one, no, Wonder Woman's already coming out and they've already done that. So, you know, I, and that's already, it's in the 80s too. So, you know, maybe that's what they do. I mean, it, at least for this, and it's kind of interesting because a lot of people thought that the whole franchise in itself was done. You know, it's like, okay, Justice League sucked, it's over. And now there's interest in them doing it again. Now, we have to hope that, that the Snyder Cut is good. You know, if, <laughs> if it's good and, like, makes sense and, and you know, people watch it. on Because they're going to have numbers. That's the difference here between them putting this out in the theater again or just on VOD or just on the Blu-ray. Like the like BVS the the Snyder Cut was on the Blu-ray, right? So this is actually on a streaming service. They have numbers. So if Warner Brothers looks at the the Snyder Cut and sees, oh wow, 100 million people watched it or whatever the number is, then they can translate that to box office number box office numbers. Uh, they can see the reception online or you know what have you, and then justify, oh, okay, maybe we can do another one. So this will be an interesting thing. I don't think it sets a negative precedent up for like more cuts because. That doesn't make any sense uh, overall. But in terms of this, like the whole overall DCEU, this could maybe revive the DCEU in a way. Hmm. I am I am way more interested now than I was because I don't want to I don't want to root for this DCEU to fail, right? Like everybody wins if there are great Superman movies coming out, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I would love for it to turn out well. I, I still don't have a tremendous amount of faith in it, but I am, I, am, I am rooting for it now in a way that I don't think I was before. Um, this is interesting. And it would be really cool if they were able to admit their mistakes, correct them, and go on. There's, mm-hmm. always, there's gonna be fanboys that hate that and are bothered by it, but no one's had the balls to do something like that. You know, like you can't in Marvel in the MCU, they like really quietly would retcon things and change them. But this is a public admission. Like we know that movie sucked. Let's give you a different version. And then we're going to work with that going forward. I would, I would, that would Warner, Warner would gain major points with me if that's, if that's how this all ends up. And I, I will root a little bit harder for, for this movie to be good. Again, I still don't have a ton of faith, but um, if Cavill's going to be around, he, he must see something that he likes um, in addition to the paycheck, because the guy's got plenty of money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he there must be something promising, and all these other actors have been screaming for the Snyder Cut, too. So maybe there's something there that, um, you know, that somehow they've hid in the original cut. I don't know. Yeah, I think with you guys talking, this news of Henry Cavell, and then also that tweet that he, uh, that Zack Snyder, that picture... Um, mm-hmm. That is Dark Side. I was looking through the comments and went on to uh, like DC database. He always mentioned they always mentioned that Dark Side was supposed to be a part of this movie, and I think that yeah, it's going to end in that like dystopian world and leave you at a hangover or a cliffhanger. Like the more and more this is, you know, just this just this week, you know, we've, we've gotten so much news, but I feel like that's the only rational way or reason he he made this deal. They're making this movie. All these people are excited for it. Um, I I don't want to get too ahead of it, but now I'm kind of even more curious because it's like, how much different will this be and will it set up something different? Mm-hmm. 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 And I think one other thing too is that I think some of the, the way that 
the thinking on it has ch- uh, with, with the whole DCU is changed now because it has gone through the the whole thing. Like originally, they made the DCU basically to try and beat Marvel, to try and like compete with Marvel. You know, the MCU that was never going to happen. Like no matter how hard they tried, that was never going to happen because that's twenty movies of consistent, cohesive movie making like that for them to try and do that within three movies to come there and do man of steel batman versus superman wonder woman and then do that like and suicide squad i don't know i don't remember the order but basically the the way they did it was just completely stupid they were trying to come in there and compete with it you know and and now it's the instead of them thinking like we're trying to compete with the mcu they they realize we're, we we lost you know we, we can't do that now to the they're the, they're to the point of being like, well, let's finish the story we wanted to tell, because I think somewhere along the lines is where Warner Brothers got involved and says, no, 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 we're trying to compete with Marvel, do this and that. Whereas like now Snyder is and, and the whole cast and everything, they're they're all back involved because they realize that their the direction that they wanted to go is starting to become realized. That's kind of my perception of it. Um, but but I think that's kind of the the shift and and the the whole vision of it all is now instead of trying to be Marvel, we're trying to do our thing and tell our story. That that that's kind of made me more interested in it. Hmm. This is I like this. This is a good story. Uh, that's good breaking news. I appreciate you bringing it because I I am, I am a little bit more uh, hopeful because yeah, the world needs good Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern movies, and um, hopefully this means we get them. We'll see. We'll see. But it's a tall order still. I did finish my Dunkaroos though. That wasn't a lie. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Break yourself, fool. I'm not gonna play the whole sounder again. But um, don't forget, we are still in the TV corner. So I am gonna review a show on HBO that I watched called Run. So this is Merritt Weaver and Donald Gleason, and they play uh, they play some mid 30s people who knew each other in college and dated in college. And they created a pact when they were in college, kind of similar to the whole, if no one's married by 30, we'll marry each other thing. Except for them, it was um, from now until the end of our lives, the pact is this. If one of us sends a message to the other one that just says the word run in it, and the other person responds back and also just says the word run, then we're going to meet in New York City X amount of days later at this time, and we're going to ride a train from New York to L.A., connect, reconnect with each other, and then at the end of the trip, decide whether or not we're going to go back to the lives we have or stay with each other. That's the pact. And I was really excited to watch this because I love that premise. I just think that's super interesting. And then this, the story obviously starts with them executing that plan in the first scene the Merritt Weaver, Merritt Weaver the woman in this um, receives the text sends the con- confirmation text back and then they go and the, 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 the show is what happens um, this is an interesting show and I'm, I'm going to struggle to review it because it's a lot of different things none of them are quite what I expected it to be I think at the end of the day I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to say you need to rush out and see this. Um, I w- I, it's, it's not what I hoped it would be in total. Um, but what I'll tell you is this. It's, it's, it's very funny. Um, and the two leads have a very interesting chemistry. It's, it's the kind of chemistry where 
you can see that they used to be very close. And so you can see glimpses of that, just like when you reconnect with old friends and a, you know, a joke pops up or a memory pops up and everyone, all of a sudden it feels like you're back in college or whatever, or you're back with your old friends. That is the best part of this show is seeing them go through that. And that's portrayed really well. They both do an excellent job. The two leads. Um, what I disliked about the show is that about midway through, this is a seven episode, half hour piece series. And about midway through, they introduce some plot wrinkles that really up the drama of the show. And I don't think that was to the show's benefit. Um, I think that a, a tighter, smaller show based just on the two of them interacting with each other would be better. Uh, and I won't spoil like what comes into play that makes things more dramatic, but I don't think it adds to the show. I think it d distracts from the major point. Um, there is an interesting, uh, an interesting finale to the show that I think um, isn't, I wouldn't call it a cliffhanger, but it does leave things open to be continued. Um, I haven't heard whether or not there's going to be a season two of this. Um, I don't know. I guess my major complaints was that it felt a little bit disjointed um, with, again, with that additional dramatic plot element. I think if this was played more directly as a romantic comedy, it worked a lot better because those are the scenes that really worked for me in this. Um, and then some of those extra elements and they try to apply like crazy twists and things like that, like you expect to see in other shows. And, and a lot of them didn't really work. Um, but the highlight here is the chemistry between the two leads and the overarching like idea of it, which was very attractive to me. So I, I enjoyed this. Um, I'm not, um, I wouldn't give it like an A if I was, if I graded shows, but, but I did enjoy it. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to recommend you rush out to see this, but if it already sounds like something up your alley, I would say go ahead and watch it. Um, but I'm not going to try to convert people who weren't already interested into watching the show. I guess that's where I end up being is, um, you know, if, it, if it's, if you, if you were already interested in it, go ahead and watch it. If not, I'm not going to try to change your mind. I think that's a good way to wrap that. Man, that, that concept of like, Hey, run, come do this thing. Like that almost gave me chills because I'm like, what if I need to do that with someone in my life? <laughs> yeah. What would you do that? And that, that's probably the best part is, and, and I think what makes it so cool is I think everybody, I think not everybody, I think a lot of people have that X and I think a lot of people, and this is, this is set. These people are, are like mid thirties, right? So by that time, a lot of people, and even people our age, we're 28, 29, um, have lived enough life to have regrets. And if you are a person that has regrets about the things that have happened since your early 20s, then there's this fantasy, right? That, oh, maybe maybe that was the ex I'm supposed to be with and my life would be so much more exciting. So it allows you to live out this fa that fantasy through them and then go through the thought experiment of like, what would I do? Like if I had this, if I had this agreement with someone and they texted me today, what would I do? And that was really fun. That was really fun to kind of participate um, along with the characters in the show um, while they were kind of pondering the ins and outs and, you know, what are you leaving behind um, to go be with this person and is it worth it and all of those. So the premise that hooked me uh, was there and was prevalent and was exciting and fun to watch. And then they threw a bunch of other stuff at it that wasn't so fun. 
but you're right. The, the premise is fascinating. Well, I'm definitely not going to be able to sleep at night tonight. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That'll give you plenty to think. Let, let, let me get your mind off of that because we have to go back to you, Jared, for another review. Yep. Um, your second of three. So what's next for you? Yep. So another uh, Netflix series. This one uh, is an Indian series. Uh, it's like zombies, kind of suspense, kind of uh, a little bit of action in there. And it's called Batal, B-E-T-A-A-L. And um, I'm going to be quick with this one. It, it's kind of your run of the mill. You know, some b- kind of business people are trying to open up this highway and then these police are supposed to come in and then all of a sudden zombies like boom just zombies or evil force was in the mountain or in this tunnel and they have to kind of hunker up for the for the night because this evil presence wants someone that's with them and you've kind of seen this concept in a few different you know zombie type movies or possession type films um i kind of compared it to crypt uh tales from the crypt demon night um Maybe one person out there even knows what the hell I'm talking about when I refer to that, <laughs> but it just kind of felt like it was it was padded. It felt like the pacing and everything was stretched out way too much. It's four episodes, about forty to fifty minutes each. This could have easily been an hour and a half to an hour forty minute movie instead, because it just stretches it out. You don't get much character development. You don't really get character backstory except for one main character, and the setup just feels like it took one whole episode when it could have taken about five minutes. Um, I gave this a kind of you know a skip unless you're kind of into you know zombie Indian type uh, filmmaking and stuff like that. It does have something kind of cool where the zombies are British redcoats where um, I think it they're in India because the East Indian Pass or something like that. I'm not too familiar with my history there. But seeing a bunch of redcoat zombies I thought was really cool. I had never seen that before. Um, when it didn't really show the whole zombies like full in frame, that was cool. But then when you actually got like the full frame and kind of the outfits and the makeup that they had, they came off as a little goofy or cheesy. Again, you've seen this before, done a lot better in any other series or movie or anything like that. Um, I'd probably skip this one. So I'm curious. This is so this is Indian, yep. uh, Bollywood. So was there anything? Did ridiculous? Did did it feel uniquely Indian, or did it feel like it was Bollywood's attempt at an American movie? I think it's the latter. It's the attempt at American mm-hmm. because I've seen those clips and highlights of like what. Bollywood can like it can get bonkers it can get weird and crazy and stuff and that's kind of what I was hoping for where like actually mm, there was one scene where they load up like an old musk or not musket but a cannon and explode a bunch of zombies that was probably the closest <laughs> you could get to that um now that you say that yeah but I think that it was kind of more of an attempt at that culture coming over to America Mm-hmm. When you say musket, every time I hear musket, in my head I automatically hear uh, from uh, Cow Pen and, and Malibu's Most Wanted. Yes. <laughs> goes, Is that the freaking musket? <laughs> wow. Oh, what a pull. That's a, a good pull right there. And then doesn't he blow himself backwards? Like, like he shoots it, but it, doesn't he go backwards when he shoots it? Because it knocks yeah. him over? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Is that Malibu's the freaking musket? <laughs> wow wow there's a winner so batal is a skipper um if people if people do want to track this down anyway did you say this is a netflix 
Yep, Netflix. Four episodes. Go. I think it's about 45 to 50 minutes per episode. All right, there you go. Batal, Netflix is available now if you want to see some, uh, some Indian Bollywood zombies. Um, I don't think there are any Bollywood zombies in this next show, Seth. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to hear where this goes because I believe the show is based on a podcast but that they've left the source material behind by this point. Am I correct on that? Wow, I'm surprised. Yeah, you're correct. Um, <laughs> yeah. And th- surprisingly enough, they've introduced Bollywood zombies. Uh, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> so. Wow, great tie-in. <laughs> uh, yeah, Homecoming Season 2. Uh, season 1 was based uh, pretty closely on the podcast had Julia Roberts uh, in that. Uh, she w- she left the show. Um, she's a producer, Um so they didn't have too many recurring characters. Bobby Cannavale was was a big character in season one. He only appeared in a couple episodes in season two. Um, and then Steve, uh, Stephen James was in about half of season uh, two. He was in a, a majority of season one. So they kind of mixed new and, old, uh, new and old characters into season two. The lead of this season is Janelle Monae. Um, she uh, plays, basically, they start the season. You don't know. She kind of wakes up in a boat. She has... A, wakes up in a boat doesn't know who she is what why she's there uh drops her cell phone into the water so that that's all gone she doesn't know what you know doesn't have any information from that um and she's kind of putting the pieces together what's going on um basically what homecoming is though in general is uh, from season one um basically they kind of went back and forth but in time uh there's something shady going on with this pharmaceutical company uh where they're bringing in soldiers uh, to a facility to kind of get them back into back into um, real life or I guess that's that's what they their, their intent their intention or what their their appearance is uh, it's trying to get them back into real life and, and adjusted to to becoming normal uh, and that type of thing and there's some sort of drug that's involved with that and season two kind of builds upon that uh, it's the com- it's a Geist company is the name of it, Geist the Geist company um, using this this drug. And so there's there's some investigation going on with that, um, with, with the the federal government. Uh, we have Joan C- uh, Cusack in this season, which which I enjoyed seeing her. Uh, she she kind of she always plays like a kind of a, a, a quirkyish character, and I, I do enjoy her. She plays kind of the the head of the um, D Department of Defense, I think, um, in, in this one, this season. Um, but basically, at this you know it's kind of putting the pieces together. The first ep- couple episodes are you know you, you really don't know a whole lot. You're putting together pieces that you think are what's going on, and then uh, the the remaining episodes are kind of filling in the gaps uh, to what's actually going on. And um, I do like the way that they put together the mystery of it all. Um, it does not have any tie into the podcast. The podcast really the first season was. Uh, of the show was based on the first season of the podcast and they did a second season of the podcast and it that kind of went off in its own direction so with this i did like where they went i think i have seen some mixed reviews with season two online and i think um in terms of the the show it definitely doesn't quite live up just overall to season one uh, which is hard to do for any show especially when you're making drastic changes in terms of who stars in it but i will say janelle Monet is great um she She's a great actress. She has to kind of play three, two, two, three different parts in this show. Um, so it's interesting to see her kind of make those shifts uh, within that. Um, so, you know, the, the, the failings of the sh- and I wouldn't say necessarily failings because I enjoyed it. I was entertained. But the I guess the 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 um, 
the downturn of the show or the kind of the 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 lower the, the momentum that they lost of the show from season one is not on her it's more of the the writing and, and the storytelling with it because um it, you know it's hard to build off of what, what they did with season one and the in the mystery of it all there uh, i think part of the issue too was that they they kind of stuck pretty close like it, it almost felt like it was running kind of concurrently with season one in a way in terms of like they didn't really have much drop off and I think they needed to kind of tell almost a different story in order to make it make sense with the, the new cast and all that stuff. They needed to kind of further the story instead of just run alongside of it. So they didn't really further much of the story. It just felt like they the characters that they did bring back were kind of in the same spot they were at the end of season one. So that kind of was, was an issue, too. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I think it all fits within. Like, it's all the same show, and you could watch it all together and still enjoy it for what it is. Uh, it's just not going to win like any Emmys or be nominated for any Emmys like season one was. Still enjoyable, still well acted and well put together. It's a smart show, um, but it's not necessarily the same same level as season one. So I enjoyed it, but um, you know, it, it, it's a quick watch. It's seven episodes, thirty minutes a piece, so it's really not you know time wasted. You're not you're not going to feel bad after watching it or feel like you wasted your time. Uh, but it is it is entertaining for what it is. I like this, and I, I think the the thing that stands out to me, because Homecoming, I, I've not done the podcast or season one, so I'm not familiar enough, but um, Janelle Monet, we talked about a little bit in the comments on J-Buck Live this week, because she's starring in the upcoming uh, Antebellum, and we've Lady seen Ante- her... Lady Antebellum? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Um, I've seen her in a few things. Um, most recently, I really enjoyed her in Hidden Figures, which I believe is on Seth's We Missed the Boat list. What? Um, and uh, she's amazing in that. I'm very, very excited for Janelle Monet, especially going into uh, Antebellum, which looks insane. So if uh, if Homecoming has that um, that um, paranoia thriller type show um, with Janelle Monet, and you need a lead in to something like Antebellum, maybe that's a good place to start. Boom. Boom. And so with uh, Homecoming 2 in the books, we go back now to Jared, who's got our fifth and final show of the week. You're doing heavy uh, duty here in TV Corner. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that territory of TV from both of you guys. Um, <laughs> this was another Netflix one, and this one actually came out earlier this morning, um, and it is called Jeffrey Epstein um, Filthy Rich. And I don't know if people out there are familiar with who this guy is, what has happened to him and everything, but essentially he was this uh, kind of... Um, rich, good-looking, very uh, smooth-talking, charismatic businessman that had all of these high contacts with uh, celebrities, politicians, royalty, law enforcement, everything. But he was doing a lot of shady stuff. Essentially, he was uh, sex trafficking all of these uh, minor women and stuff throughout the years. He was lying and just manipulating his way from, you know, rags to riches, essentially. And this four-part docu-series on Netflix, it very much showcases, like, kind of the main... It it does cover everything that him and his girlfriend had kind of done through, you know, the 80s to literally, like, last year, 2019, um, of, you know, bringing all of these young girls in, almost like going to local high schools in the Palm Beach area and almost scouting having them come over, um, paying them to do certain sexual acts, and then the girls obviously being underage and young and whatnot were, um, 
the the reason they were targeted is because they were very much you know abused or from a broken family or you know needed the money so these these older people um jeffrey epstein and his uh girlfriend at the time i believe uh max or glad something maxwell i i don't know the name off the top of my head um but this this very much kind of focuses on the story of the survivors the girls that or the women now um that were abused throughout all of these years you know they were given money but they were essentially brainwashed they were raped they were sexually assaulted by not only him and his girlfriend but many many other high up uh officials and stuff like and this guy had contacts with uh donald trump uh harvey weinstein woody allen like there's a lot of people that this guy had connections with and essentially had dirt on because the news came out last year and it's kind of i wouldn't say a spoiler to the end of this doc but you know something happens to him in 2019 so it's kind of tough to figure out where exactly this could go in a further documentary um i thought it was a very well told story of showcasing the women that have that have come forward that have been brave enough to not only come forward but agree to be on record about you know the things that had happened to him it does a good job of showcasing kind of the history and the weird shit that this guy was into and the people that he you know was rubbing elbows with I just wish, um, and I don't know, maybe years from now, who knows, we'll, we'll get more information, but I really wish that this would have focused a little bit more on just the bigger picture, like, who was this guy, where was he born, what exactly, because it kind of picks up where he was in the mid to early 80s, um, you don't really see, like, what what his childhood was, um, what he was like in college, it kind of is like when he's about 30, I would say, and... I wish that we almost got a little bit more backstory in him and then more focus on just almost everything, especially the co-conspirators in this, the other rich people that are dealing with this that somehow, you know, tried to cover it up. There's um, cameos, you could say, of like Bill Clinton and other famous people on this essentially just sex island that he had created like this guy came to into a lot of money um it is very interesting through this four episode thing of just how the hell does this happen and also what other crazy shit do rich powerful political figures what what do they get into what what else did this guy know um i think it's fascinating I would say that it maybe falls into the same bucket as, and I haven't seen these other two, the R. Kelly one and the Michael Jackson one, because it does get into some pretty heavy material, like when it's recounting the women's, kind of what they went through, it does get very graphic, and you can see how like their lives were ruined by this person. Um, So if you do have any sort of trigger warnings with that, you might want to stay away, but I think it's a fascinating look at how messed up this guy was, how manipulated, manipulated, oh my gosh, I can't talk right now, um, that word, how, how much he was, um, and then also just the, the, they, they compared it to a pyramid scheme, the pyramid of girls that were involved in this is redonkulous, like, it was straight up sex trafficking right here in America under, involving some of the most rich and famous people that you might be aware of, and it is just, it is disheartening that something like this would happen, but also like this educational thing to be like, hey, 
this is what's happening. This needs to stop. So, and also maybe even like a bravery type thing, like, hey, maybe you've had something happen to you. It's okay to step forward and, you know, tell your story. Um, because they do also mention the Me Too movement as well. So Jeffrey Epstein, um, Filthy Rich on Netflix, four episodes. I just wish that it maybe we'd have gotten we would have gotten a little bit more. And who knows? There might be a future documentary or a season two or something like that that covers the stuff that uh, I was wanting from this one. So my my question is this: um, Do they spend is does the documentary cover things from the point of view of the victims or from a an omniscient third person or maybe a combination of both? Like, who's telling the story here? It It is um, mainly from the point of view of the testimonials of the people that were victims. But when they do sort of fill in the history, I guess, they, they bring in um, maybe like a former business partner or uh, a lawyer or something like, like – uh, God, what was it? Like a judge or something like that. So I guess it is all kind of told from other people's points of view, but also they do add in or show like the facts of everything. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. If that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, that is intriguing. I this is one of those things that it's I it probably it, it's very weird and frustrating. Like you said, that this is allowed to happen today. And this was just mm-hmm. fucking happening well, a couple of years. And not ago. only not everything, not only everything I just mentioned, but like one specific example is he was charged, and I don't know exactly what it was in like 2008, like 2000 or mid to late 2000s in Florida, and he was sent to prison. But then he got like this work permit thing where he only had to be in jail from like eight to eight, like 12 hours, but he could be out for the other 12 hours. But he was, quote, unquote, supposed to be working, but he was still doing all of this shady stuff. Basically, he owned everyone. He had enough money. He had enough dirt on every, anyone and everyone that, like, he could get away with anything. Um, and if they would have, you know, done it by the book in 2008, this would have stopped 12 years earlier. Mm. Yeah. Man, that's major. I'm going to – this like is America. interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, that, do, that does sound like America. Um, so this is Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich – Available on Netflix now if you want to check that out. Uh, again, to reemphasize, check out the trigger warnings on this because there's going to be some pretty intense things, uh, especially related to sexual assault. So you're going to want to know that going in. Um, so make sure you give that some thought before you click on that one. But uh, available now on Netflix, as well as um, Batal and Control Z, all on Netflix. Homecoming season two is that a that's an Amazon? Did you say? Mm-hmm. Or Facebook? Amazon. Yes. Okay, I keep I get, I get homecoming confused with the one about the town, Lime Town. Lime Town, which is a Facebook one, uh, and then Run is on HBO. So all of the shows we've just reviewed available to stream right fucking now. So with that, uh, we have wrapped up this week's TV corner. Television down on the corner. Nobody puts baby. Alrighty, so from there, we're going to switch into the realm of movies, and Seth had a homework assignment to complete this week. It's We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and... You're going to need a bigger boat. Alright, Seth, so you have your list. What have you checked off of it as of this week? Uh, I decided to skip the list, and I just watched Hearts Beat Loud again. Nice. (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) 
Um, no, I, I did uh, end up choosing a movie on the list, and I watched, drumroll please. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Those two buttons are right next to each other. Good enough. Oh, here it is. Um, <laughs> is that good? <laughs> good enough. I watched uh, Silence of the Lambs. That had been on my list for a while. I was just honestly, I, I like I, all the movies you gave me minus one uh, were over like two hours or longer. Uh, Lock was like Lock is like eighty two minutes, so I was like very mm-hmm. tempted to watch that. Uh, but you also like just gave me that, and Silence of the Lambs had been on my list for a long time. So I'm like, okay, you know what, fuck it. I'm just gonna go ahead and 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 watch a long movie because Cody loves fucking movies that are at least two hours or longer. So. <laughs> I decided to decided to watch that, and I was I was I very much enjoyed it. Um, I I get why it's you know it's it's some people's favorite movie that's always referred to as a as a classic, and and uh, it won won Best Picture, didn't it? It won a lot. In fact, I think it was the most recent. Um, it swept the top five categories for Oscars. Was it ninety one um, at one Best Picture? It was. It was. Well, it was released in ninety one. The Oscar. Those Oscars were in ninety two. No, so that I think year, it was released ninety. Um, I watched. I watched through the credits, and I remember saying nineteen ninety, because the credits have a, uh, uh, it like pans out, and it shows people like walking down a street, and it's funny because Homecoming does the same thing, where the mm. the credits they show things happening. And I'm just used to watching that on Homecoming because I was watching it at the same time. I'm like, oh, maybe there'll be little nuggets in there and stuff. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what? I'll, this is doing it too. I'm just going to keep watching. And so I got really interested and I was like reading through uh, the, the credits. And I remember seeing 1990 on there. Yeah. Um, 91 is when it was released, but it was early 1991. Oh, okay. So there may have been some sort of filming date or copyright date. But um, as it relates to winning, uh, it's one of three movies ever to win best picture best director best actor best actress and best adapted screenplay wow so it crushed at that year's yeah. oscars so yeah it's, it really it's as well. critically lauded as they come yeah and and it's deserved of, of all that obviously i haven't seen all the other ones it's probably the only movie i've seen that was nominated that year um but uh it's deserved of all of it um very very well done super well acted anthony hopkins as uh as hannibal lecter um, is creepily charming, but also mm-hmm. terrifying. Um, and it's, it's a, it's up until now, like Anthony Hopkins has done a lot of stuff that I've seen, but nothing where I'm like blown away by. And like, this is, this is why people like have him as, as you know, one of the best actors ever, uh, is because of this, this performance. Now I know there's a, a couple other movies, right? Like, have you seen some of the other ones? So Red Dragon. Yeah, Red Dragon is a prequel that also features Anthony Hopkins. Um, I've seen that, but not as many times as Silence of the Lambs. And then there was a there was a movie called Manhunter, which was either in the 70s or 80s that's based on the same book, I think, as Silence of the Lambs and features a character, Hannibal Lecter, but it was a different actor entirely. Um, and then also so, just Hannibal. Yeah. And then Hannibal, yeah. Um, so there are other movies in this universe, but I think most people really only consider this one. Okay. Yeah, because I, I didn't know. And then they did, like, the TV show Hannibal, I think, too. Because, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't... I mean, obviously, like, you know, if you've seen the movie, that you know, they leave it in a place where they could do more movies and stuff. So 
um you know I, i'm interested to see like, it kind of kept me because with with how much i enjoyed watching him with that character i you know i kind of wanted to see see more of it but i didn't know if the other movies are worth checking out um but yeah i mean he he's he, jody foster is fantastic as well um honestly though like for me it was it was i had my mind way more on on anthony hopkins in this movie (laughs) i was more interested to see what he was doing because it was so intriguing to see um you know he had they they built this this aura with him immediately where it's like you know you don't you don't get close you don't touch the glass you don't you know let him you know touch you like all these rules they build immediately which is really smart they build all these rules right from the beginning and so you're purposely watching out for these these things and so I was purposely like trying to pay attention to see if, if Jodie Foster was doing those, um, and and it, the way they did that I just thought was was really really cool filmmaking. Um, and then alongside that, the whole you know the 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 main point of the movie is is trying to catch this other serial killer, Buffalo Bill, um, who you know really is is a you know messed up dude. Um, but but again, to me it was just like that's the point but at the same time i'm like i'm trying to keep my eye on hannibal lecter so there's a lot going on in the movie um and, and a lot you're trying to pay attention to um again really great performances all around uh it, i mean it's it's really good i i really for not being in the mood to to really watch it like i, I going into it i wasn't like i was trying to watch something a, a little bit more upbeat but again i kind of was just like you know what screw it i'll watch it because it's been on my list forever um I was I was bought into it very quickly. Um, even just like the beginning of the movie, they set it up with her jogging with uh, with Jodie Foster jogging, and and they have like kind of this creepy aesthetic going on, and then uh, you know almost to the point where it's like, oh, is she gonna get you know attacked? You know, and and then they could introduce her being an uh, FBI uh, trying to get into the FBI as a, as a in the academy and stuff, and um, you know kind of building it up from there. It it, it, all of it was very smart like the way they just from from the second they started all very intentioned and smart uh filmmaking so i really enjoyed it on that level but also i you know very much bought into um with hannibal lecter and, and all that too so uh, i i i was i kind of maybe even came in with like a you know i want uh, impress me in a way and, and i was mm-hmm. very I, I was impressed so i, I did enjoy it I'm really glad I'm not surprised. This is one that when I put on your list, I was like, yeah, definitely. Because I haven't, this is one, there are other movies that I've like pushed more and I've mentioned a couple times that I haven't needed because I was like, whenever he arrives at this one, he's going to enjoy it because it's just so fucking good. Um, Some clarity around the series. Uh, Manhunter came out in 86. It was pretty close actually. Um, And they kind of just did a reboot with Silence of the Lambs. Uh, Yeah, it was 86. Uh, Brian Cox actually plays Hannibal in that one, which is interesting. Um, He's also in Succession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the there's a the sequel, the direct sequel is called Hannibal, and that's the one that came out in 2001. That one has um, Gary Oldman as a prior victim of Hannibal's. That one I actually like. It doesn't have a great uh, Rotten Tomatoes. But um, that's an enjoyable sequel. If you're looking for like, if you want more Hannibal, watch that one. So watch Hannibal is mm-hmm. that is that a continuation of the story from Silence of the Lambs? Then yes, yes, yeah, okay, yep. Continuation has, story. Anthony Hopkins has, is back. It does same. Does it have Jodie Foster? No, no they recast her for uh, God. What's so her that, name? So it has Clarice. It just is it have... Julianne Huff? 
Julianne Moore. Yeah, it's Julianne Clarice, Moore. but it's Julianne Moore now. That's right. Ooh, I don't like that. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that um, it'll bother you for like a little while, and then I think it'll go away. Um, but it is different. But Jodie Foster is incredible in Silence of the Lambs. And this movie has, um, I'll keep it pretty high level because I know you'll know what I'm talking about. There is a scene that takes place in a house um, near the end of this movie that is, we talk about tension in movies <laughs> like Uncut Gems and the Safdie brothers have done um, in, in like Good Time as well. Maybe the most tense fucking scene in cinema history is in Silence of the Lambs. And it is super, super fascinating to go back and watch. And, and now to see like the influence of that scene and others like it on movies that are coming out now that we call tense. Um, see, there, there is some puckered buttholes near the end of Silence of the Lambs, no doubt. I got to tell you, I wasn't, I wasn't super tense. I kind of, I didn't. You weren't. I, oh, uh, man. I, I, it I didn't me feel, every time. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of figured, and, and I think part of it is a, knowing because i knew a lot of the movie going and i knew a lot of the references i knew the goodbye horses thing from clerks too <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um you know i knew a lot of the lines uh the thing that that he does um you know the lotion on the skin i, I knew a lot going in um in terms of the the iconic stuff but also i knew just in terms of and i can see why it would have been very because the way it's again smart the way it's set up and the way they shoot it, like that, you probably hadn't seen that before. But I think now, with it being, again, coming out '91, so you know, 30 years later, almost, um, it, it, it we've seen a lot of that done based off of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I wasn't, I kind of was just like, you know, I, I figured, like, if it would have ended differently, I would have been like, oh shit, okay, maybe that. Then I would have been like, oh god. But I, I, I kind of figured the way it was gonna end. Mm-hmm. So I, I I wasn't too nervous watching it. And I had like headphones. I got these new headphones that are that are pretty good sound, like surround sound stuff. And so I had the sound blared up in my headphones and everything. And I and I oh. still wasn't. So it wasn't a matter of like oh I'm smart. Like it wasn't that. It was you know I just wasn't. I seen I've I've seen a lot of it before. It's it's been done since. Yeah. I th- I think Jared, you've maybe even mentioned it. I can't remember exactly, but I think you've kind of had the same mm-hmm. thing in Taxi some of the, some of. The, yeah, taxi driver. Um, and yes, the thing is, like, you're you you're talking about all of this stuff. I can't now now thinking about it. So much of that movie is referenced in things like the Joe oh, Dirt yeah. thing, and you're saying Clerks, and there's just so many things that that movie you know has the references. Held even the the <laughs> is from Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh man, yeah. Sansa Lambs is fucking everywhere. It's mm-hmm. ubiquitous almost. Have mm-hmm. you you have you seen that Jared Sansa Lambs? Yeah, I uh, I've, I think I've seen I we some random weekend uh, we had watched all three of them, uh, mm-hmm. Silence and uh, Hannibal and then Red Dragon. Yeah, yeah. Silence of the Lambs is the shit, man. I'm glad you finally came around to that one because that's a good one. Um, your list is now down to four, and I'm very excited. Um, I cannot believe this hasn't happened yet, but I am going to pull a complete 180 from Silence of the Lambs. Sing and- Street. I'm giving you Sing Street. You <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> you, you've earned it, and I, I know you'll enjoy that one um, when you watch it. So it's it's short, and it's happy. So I, You know what's funny is I almost watched it this weekend. <laughs> when you've been pissed. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I have other movies that fit the same or a similar bill, but I'm very yeah. excited to have you finally on board the Sing Street train. Um, when, when, if and when, well, when that comes, 
Um, I'm excited to hear, hear your thoughts on it. And maybe I'll watch it again, too, because um, it's been a while since I've seen it. So, uh, so for Sing Street... You just made the list! And Seth, in advance, you're welcome for that one. <laughs> so I guess so it's my turn. Week? It's my turn next week. Um, okay. And let's see. I haven't looked at my list in a little bit. Um, my list. <laughs> so I accidentally pulled up a Mambo number no. five list from a while back that has Scott Pilgrim, <laughs> Kick-Ass, Kingsman, Edge of Tomorrow, and Men in Black. And I was like, well, I'm going to have a good week. I might watch them. <laughs> <laughs> watch them all. <laughs> Um, my five movies are Toy Story 3, Waves, Richard Jewell, The Front Runner, and Dogma. So these are all ones I'm interested in seeing. Uh, maybe this is the week for Toy Story. I don't know. We'll see. Um, it's been, I think it's been over a calendar year <laughs> now since uh, Toy Story 3 it's was put on the list. So I might need ride to ride that on there since the beginning because it, we did, I put it on there right before Toy Story 4 came out. Yep. Oh God. Yeah. So we are approaching an entire year since that one. Um, I may need to clear that one, but uh, I don't want to watch it just to watch it. You know what I mean? I want to be in the mood, so we'll see. Um, so it is my turn for We Missed the Boat next week. And um, this week, Seth really enjoyed Silence of the Lambs, which was no surprise to any of us. Oh, I'm on a boat, and You're going to need a bigger boat. All righty. Let's bounce forward into a couple of more recent films. And uh, these are the reviews for the week. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. So, Seth, we had uh, one, well, one movie we talked about last week, and uh, Jared was able to get an advanced screening of this, so we've heard his review last week for Netflix's The Lovebirds. But I know you watched this over the weekend, too, so what what, what, what opinion would you add to Jared's review from last week? What did you think of this one? Yeah, not, not a whole ton to add. I think I might, because of Jared's review, I, I, I may, maybe came in with, like, tempered um, Lower expectations. expectations, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that not too much different to add. Um, I came in with kind of tempered expectations based off Jared's review, um, and so I think that may maybe have allowed me to enjoy it a little bit more. Um, you know, it, you gave it a three, I think, on on your channel, Jared. So it's not like you didn't dislike it, right? Like you. No, no, I, I, you know, it, it was fine. Yeah, and, and and I think I would I would maybe kind of put it in between like good and fine, like somewhere. Maybe good, fine, or fine, good, something like that. Fine, good. Um, I think maybe your main complaint was like that it, it kind of lacks some stu- substance to it. There's not a ton of depth, and and I agree with that. Um, you know, it's 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 do- it doesn't do anything different than some of your other, um, I guess like rom. It's not really a rom com, but it kind kind of is. Kind of is, yeah. It has a hint yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's got some action to it. Uh, I, I I did really enjoy the chemistry between um, Camille Nanjiani and, and Issa Rae. Whether or not there's not a lot, like there's not a, t- it's it's a, it's a love story you've seen before in terms of like the uh, the dip in the relationship and them trying to gain that that spark back type of thing. Like you've seen that before. The situation they're in is in di- is different, and that I think it drives a lot of the comedy in the movie. And I did laugh out loud a lot in it um i you know i I thought there were some really funny jokes um yes in some of the 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 down times in the movie it's it's you know it kind of gets a little slow and it and it does um maybe break up the pacing a little bit but overall i had a good time with it um i I thought it was funny um again really funny in some parts um and i enjoyed their relationship for for the most part whether or not there's depth in there or not like i'm not a huge rom-con fan to begin with like it's not 
something I've watched a lot of. Like maybe not necessarily. I'm not a fan, but I just haven't watched a lot of rom coms, so um, I don't. I guess I don't have a lot of like uh, a, a lot of stuff to compare it to, and a lot of a lot of um, like critical. I, I'm not very critical of those type of movies. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I I was I knew what I was getting into going into it, and I and I, I was able to enjoy it for what it was. Um, so I had a good time. I got two questions for you. One, mm-hmm. do you think that there was more to this and it somehow got cut? And then two, I want to, because I think Cody, last week you asked it, like, was there scenes where you think that they just improved? I think there, I think there was, there was a, a decent amount of improving. I, I actually think they might've done some reshoots uh, with it oh, because, really? because the beginning of the movie, Kamel looks like Kamel now where he's ripped. He's jacked. And jacked. Yeah. And then they do a flash forward like four years and he looks smaller. Um, and so I noticed that from right at the, right at the beginning. So I think they might have added some stuff after the fact. Um, now I don't think they've done it. Obviously, I think they probably did it before, like South by maybe. Yeah. Um, because uh, because they obviously couldn't do reshoots between like March and now. Um, but I th- I think they've, they I I definitely think they did some like chopping and and editing of the movie to try and fit it for what I guess what they thought the audiences wanted. I I I don't think that the movie was just done and done. I think they, they definitely put some reshoots into it. So I'm, I, I, I may end up having to watch this, even though it's not really on my list. Um, my girlfriend texted me last night and she thinks it's hilarious. So, um, <laughs> there, I mean, there are some she, really funny moments in it. I for yeah. sure, but it's, it's just not, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a book smart or it's not, you know, it, it's not something that, you know, it, it has potential to be like, the great comedy like of, of the summer type thing like but it, it just doesn't it doesn't have all of the substance with it. it's missing something yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting i'm i'm i may need, need to end up checking this out on my own uh she i'm looking at my text from last night and she says um she says that these two are so funny and she hopes that she and i are that's are this funny because because we're both comics so i don't i don't know i i i hope i hope i'm as funny as kumail I know I'm. I know I have better abs, um, so I. I hope. I hope that I'm as funny. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see about Lovebirds. I'll need to catch it for myself as well. Um, but Seth, you've got a, You've got another one too that nobody else has seen. Yeah, another another rom com. Um, this one's a little different. Uh, it's uh, called Olympic Dreams, and so what's interesting about this one? Uh, it, it they actually filmed this during the 2018 Winter Olympics in that Pyeongchang. Is that what that place is called? I don't know. I, I that sounds it, right. I think is it, that in Korea, is, South Korea? Yeah. yeah, South Korea. Pyeongchang. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm awesome. Um, but it stars Nick Kroll and Alexi Pappas. Um, they're they're the they're the leads. They're you know they're the 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 couple in this for the rom com. Uh, Nick Kroll plays a volunteer dentist who goes to uh, the Olympics to. Um, Basically, he's kind of in a rut in his life. He's uh, just recently broken up with his fiance um, and wants to do something different. So he goes to to volunteer as a dentist. Alexi Pappas plays uh, a cross country skier who competes really early in the in the Olympics. And um, basically, from when she competes, she competes like within day one or two, and then has the rest of the time to kind of explore um and and talk with people and meet with people 
thing that's interesting is that they actually are like talking to the athletes and stuff. So the scenes that they have in the movie, so like Nick Kroll being a dentist and and Alexi Pappas like hanging out in the um like common areas and game rooms and stuff, they're actually talking to some of the athletes and things like that and they're trying to interweave some of like their story within that but also get some of the stories of the the athletes. So that's kind of cool. I thought I thought it was an interesting aspect and that was the thing that kind of hooked me uh, with, within the movie, the actual story of like them wasn't super like well. It was d- done fine enough. It just wasn't like that. Wasn't the if you were just doing a rom com off their relationship, that would be like pretty poor, because it's hard to intertwine what they were doing within a story. Like the, I think they kind of went in. You could tell they went in with like okay, here's here's an outline, kind of like what they did with the league almost, what Nick Kroll did with the league. Where it's like, here's an outline of what we want with the story. Go ahead and fill it in with improv and questions and things like that. Also, too, Alexi Pappas is, she was a, a screenwriter on this. And I think also the, oh, just a writer. She's a producer and stuff. So the, the director actually, too, was her husband, um, her real life husband. And then he was a writer. So Nick Kroll, Alexi Pappas, and uh, the director, Jeremy uh, Tyker, Tyker, maybe? I can't pronounce that. Um, they, uh they all did this together. So like they were allowed access to go into Pyeongchang and film this movie together and then create a movie out of it. I think they kind of just went in with that. They're like, okay, we have rom-com story with these two. Here's the basic story filled in with these conversations. Um, so as a movie itself, not strongest, not the most deep, but in terms of what everything surrounding it was i thought it was really interesting to watch um there are some funny moments but it's not really meant to be super funny uh there's some sweet moments with nick kroll and alexi pappas they they you know they kind of have some meet cute moments and some interesting things that happen but overall it's like you know their 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 relationship is is what it is um i i thought it was cool though like i was interested the whole time because of what what's going on so um this is kind of one of those things where it's like, if it's on Netflix or Hulu or Prime or anything like that, HBO, check it out. I think it, I think it's an interesting watch, especially knowing that, and something I didn't know even like until I started watching it, because it seemed like it's one of those things where I knew the premise going in of, of that it takes place at the Olympics, but I didn't realize that it was actually the Olympics going on and that they were filming during it. So it was kind of cool to even like put myself in like, Oh, what was I doing during this? I remember watching the opening ceremonies. Oh, they were actually there, you know, filming this movie. Like you could maybe even find them in the crowd or whatever too. So like all that was pretty cool. Um, but overall as a movie, I wouldn't say go out and rush out and see it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so cool premise, cool execution and a lot of the things, but not an amazing movie altogether. So this is interesting. This is interesting. Um, this Alexi Pappas is an actual athlete. Yep, yeah, that's oh, what yeah, I was going to gonna say. That. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Yep. She was in the Summer Olympics. She was a uh, track. Yeah, she's a distance runner it looks like. That's cool. So she probably yeah. had some in she probably had some intimate knowledge of like how it goes in the Olympic Village that probably helped production cuz Nick Kroll's not a fucking athlete so he doesn't know. Um <laughs> that, I, that that's interesting. So did it feel do you did, did it feel to you like super authentic and real because of that stuff? That was the other thing I was going to mention. It it was almost shot like a documentary. It looked like a documentary. It didn't look like a movie. Um, it 
I would say like a look in between. Like it didn't. It had a documentary look at times in terms of the way the camera moved and stuff. But the overall like the the lens of it all and kind of like the 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 almost like the the tone of the the film and stuff looks still look like a movie. But it had like the shaky feel and kind of like the real feel. Again, talking to real athletes and stuff, it felt like a documentary in a way too. Hmm. So Olympic Dreams, you can catch it. Uh, this is a rental, paid rental right now, yes? This is new? Yes. Yep. Okay. So wherever it is you rent movies, uh, find Olympic Dreams. And uh, if you still haven't caught The Lovebirds on Netflix, check that out as well. Uh, both getting thumbs up from Seth here in this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right, folks, we're just about finished with the show this week. But before we go, got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. Okay, my one more thing is I I am going to start doing something that I haven't done in the past. I'm going to start giving movies a chance, and I'll explain what I mean. Um, there are a lot of movies out there, and I'm sure this is true for both of you guys and, and for listeners as well, that you heard suck or that you assumed sucked because you're not interested in them for whatever reason. Um, I'm here to advocate for give those movies a fair shake and watch them anyway and create your own opinion. So I watched this last, uh, this last weekend. Um, I've been working with my girlfriend and a friend of mine. We've been working on Avatar, The Last Airbender. We watched the entire series on Netflix, which is an amazing series. If you haven't seen that on Netflix, go watch it. Um, so I watched M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender the other night. And I knew that it sucked. I knew it got bad reviews. I knew everyone hated it, blah, blah, blah. But I, wa- I said, let's just give this a movie a fair shake. Maybe there's something in here that I will like. And I am not here to tell you that that's a good movie. I swear. It, it's, it's not a very good movie. It's poorly made. It's badly paced. It's a poor adaptation of, of great source material. But there are moments in here that were very rewarding for me. And there were actually qu- quite a lot of them. Um, especially as it related to the int- uh, the uh, combat that they have, which is really uh, unique. So even though I wouldn't say that this was like a huge win and that I found a movie I love because I gave it a shot, there was a lot to like in there and it was an enjoyable couple of hours. And even the parts that I hated, I was able to laugh at. So um, I had an enjoyable time watching a movie that I had completely written off as something I'm never going to watch. Similarly, um, I was talked into watching Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, I have seen Pirates, I think the third Pirates movie is the only one I've seen. And I went, I don't really care. Fuck it. I don't, I don't care about Pirates. I'm not going to watch the rest of them. Johnny Depp's not doing it for me. I did, so we went back and I watched the first Pirates movie. And again, it wasn't like, oh my God, it's the best movie ever. But there were some fun parts of it and it was enjoyable. And on the whole, I would just say that it was better than what I had made up in my head, right? And so I, I, my, my one more thing is, is to everyone, I just say, give, give a movie a fair shake. Even if you think it's horrible uh, and, and someone else has told you, just give it a shot. And, and by that, um, in order to, um, to uh, prove that I'm serious about this point, I'm gonna go watch The Lovebirds. I was never gonna watch this. But, uh, but I am going to put this in my queue. I've heard mixed things. I was, it, it's something I thought was going to suck. But um, I will go give this a chance. I still will not do it for Stuber. So I, I'm not there yet. I'm trying to grow. <laughs> I'm trying to grow as a man, but I'm just not there yet. Okay, give me some time. 
<laughs> you, you know what's funny about your um, about the the pirates thing, the uh, the first one. Johnny Depp is nominated for best actor for that. Right? That seems crazy. <laughs> That's that crazy. Seems, he's he's cool in that, sure, but like best act. I don't know who else was nominated that year, but it, that seems excessive. Um, but pirates has some exciting scenes. They obviously had a huge budget. Um, I I don't care about pirates as a thing. They don't excite me. Um, but there was a lot Arr. to like in there. There was, and I, I, I'm probably going to watch the rest of the series um, just to see, you know, and there might be some fun stuff in there, but you'll miss out on a lot of fun moments if you, if you disregard entire movies. Okay. So my one more thing, um, I kind of mentioned it a little bit on J Buck live last night, uh, last night, plug, plug, plug. Um, sometimes there's weird movies that are kind of like fan made coming from, you know, the joy and love of filmmakers that love a certain franchise and stuff. And I kind of did a movie spotlight on this weird remake of, like, um, RoboCop. It's called Our RoboCop Remake. And essentially, like, 50 directors or filmmakers came together and remade the original RoboCop, each doing kind of a scene or two. And they each kind of brought their own style to it, you know. So there's one that's maybe like an interpretive dance, one that's a singing thing, one that's animated, one that is strictly just sketch comedy. Um... It's unique and weird, and I know that they've done this with RoboCop. I think they also did this with um, Star Wars The Phantom Menace Episode 1. I haven't watched that one yet, but this is just so unique of how you can see all of the different people's perspective, creativity, and how it came together to essentially be this, like, cohesive movie. Um, It's weird, it's wacky, it's funny, it's very much not safe for work at times, but you can see that all of these people had a love for RoboCop and then just came together and did this weird project. Um, It's, like, I think they did it in 2014. It's free on the internet if you want to watch it. Uh, definitely watch it with a group of people and have some drinks or, you know, something else to enhance the mood a little bit because I remember hearing this on a podcast years ago. So I was like, I got to check this out. And I went and watched the whole thing. And I was like, man, this is so weird and wacky. So I don't know, just give a little spotlight to a weird passion project of a bunch of filmmakers. I mean, there's probably people that were, um, that did a couple of those scenes that have gone on to bigger and better things or people that just completely don't do uh animation or film or anything anymore so it's kind of this weird like internet type project so go check that out our robocop remake and check i think just google it and it should be the first thing i couldn't believe i had never heard of that until you mentioned it on the show but since it's free and on youtube i'm i, I gotta go watch this this sounds fucking wild. yeah i it <laughs> again i heard it on a couple like comedy and just random podcasts and I was like what is this and I went and watched it and if you are aware of or remember the original RoboCop it follows the storyline fairly straightforward it's just it goes a little wacky or gets a little goofy especially when a scene is half people but then half puppets and one of them gets like blown away by bullets it's kind of funny <laughs> all right uh, my one more thing I just just took a look and I you know I'll talk about it I guess um, movie theaters are officially opening uh, here in Cedar Rapids on on Friday, and uh, I, looking at the the selection of movies, <laughs> it's not great. Um, they're so they were playing. Uh, it's, really, it's only one theater that's opening here. Uh, it's our, it's kind of a local cheap theater, so it's not they're not a chain or anything. It's just like one. They have they have multiple screens, but it's like one the, the only theater that they have. Um, uh, they're playing like Emma, which came out a while ago. I still believe Sonic. They're playing again. 
Um, they're playing a a, a a movie with Chad Michael Murray called Max Winslow and the House of Secrets. Holy <laughs> what? shit. I have to know more about that movie. <laughs> Is that new? Uh, yeah, it's, I don't think it's even, it has 100% Rotten Tomatoes with five reviews, uh, but it's like a kid's movie. Um, they're playing one that, so I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm already planning on taking a half day uh, from work on Friday. Um, so I might go, because I know I'd be the only one there. Um, but it's a horror movie called The Wretched, um, or The Wretched, maybe. Um, the Ratchet. <laughs> to Ratchet and Clank. Yes. Um, so I'm I may uh, I may venture to the theater again depending so they're they're what I've been reading about is their policy they're going to be super liberal with like refunds and stuff so if there's like a they're going to ca- uh, uh, cap seating at fifty percent and then if there's not a seat that you feel comfortable with then they'll give you money back um, so I might I might mask up and 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 see if there's not many people at the theater and I I might go for it we'll see. Um, we'll see how, how froggy I'm feeling. I could also watch this on VOD at home, too. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, it's not quite the theater that I want to go to. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not my Marcus. It's not, it's not my Greg. Um, but they did come out and say that they're, they're still going to delay for a while because they want to wait for actual stuff to come out. But, um, you know, we'll see. I, I might venture out to the theater theater again for the first time in a while. So um, more to come on that, I guess. I'm I'm curious. Do they have any like essentially like throw like just one theater set aside for like a throwback? They're not playing any technical throwbacks yet, I guess. So interesting. I guess, I guess not. They're playing some VOD stuff and some stuff that came out before, um, you know, before the the theaters went away. Um, but uh, yeah, I we'll see. So I just opened up our local theater here, and it's yeah, it's like Trolls World Tour, Bloodshot basically every movie that was kind of in the theaters prior but they do have indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark in imax oh shit so that might get me (laughs) (laughs) just when you think you're out they get you back i know they're just (laughs) reeling me back in with the nostalgia that's yeah that's what's gonna get me is either either the right classic movie that's that that i really want to see in the theater or tenant, like one of those two things is going to happen and get me to the theater for the first time. Um, so sometime in those next two months, but Seth, if you are going and Jared, if you go too, be safe, be smart and, uh, can't wait to hear how your experience is next week so that, um, we can let the folks at home know what it's like to be at a theater right now. So, uh, movie theaters, uh, if you're staying at home, you can watch, uh, our cut of, uh, RoboCop, um, and whatever shitty movie you're lining up for this week, just give it a chance. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, folks, that's it for episode 146 of the SoCo Show. Big shouts out to our third host once again. At Jared Buckendall. Appreciate you being on. Anything you want to shout out for the folks at home? Now just jump over to my channel, JBuck Studios, you know, every week. Um... J Buck Live on Tuesdays. I think I might have a Netflix review tomorrow, um, potentially one on Friday, or I guess this comes out on. I'm getting my days mixed up. I don't know. Just go to my channel. There's new reviews for anything and everything, and then more than likely a new ending explained poorly. There you go. Hot, fresh, hot, fresh stuff coming out over from J Buck Studios. 
Um, big shouts out to all of our sponsors and all of our anchor contributors. Uh, appreciate you guys keeping the show afloat. Uh, make sure you check out links to all of our sponsors in the description box where you can find all of the topics that we covered today, uh, as well as links to our contact information as well as Jared's so that you can find your way around. Um, yeah, that's it. Great episode. A long one. It, we started the show by saying we're scraping for material. We're going to open some Dunkaroos. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and we've had an extra long podcast. So we appreciate you guys listening. Thanks for the time. Uh, but, uh, we'll be back in seven days. Um, but for now, seven days, seven days for Jared Buckendall and the so-host Seth Ott. I've been the co-host Cody Michael, and we will see you next week. Bye.